Brothers and Innocent Blood, welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life rewatches a Marvel movie or a TV show and then quizzes someone who is a Marvel expert, someone that was taught to read with Marvel comics. Hello and welcome to the Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance episode. I am one of your hosts. My name is Rob Holden. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I am also the Marvel expert half of the equation. And I am joined on my Marvel journey by the man that powers the engine. Because he is powered exclusively by ignorance. It's Mr. Will Preston. Yes, ignorance fusion. The clean kind of ignorance that will definitely not blow up. What is the ignorance fused with, Will? Uh, malarkey. <laughs> Innocence and malarkey is an incredible... I don't know. Is that a name for a, that a good name for a comedy night? That's a great oh. T-shirt slogan. Oh, hey, before we get uh, kicking things off d- massively, do you guys want T-shirts? Uh, drop us a line let us know. Because uh, we've got some plans and some people who oh. are asking whether maybe we want to put some T-shirts out there. So let's see how that goes. More on that later in the episode. Coming up. The full story of Danny Ketch, the second Ghost Rider. Mm. The secret history of the spirits of vengeance and the demons they battle. The fight between Ghost Rider and the frickin' Hulk. How do you kill a demon and what exactly does a blue-flamed Ghost Rider do? That is all to come on this episode. Don't go anywhere. Will, isn't it great to be uh, to be back with uh, kind of dancing outside of the of the MCU with an older movie today, I, I do. I I feel like uh, it's it's a good clean up, isn't it? Because it's like, hey, it's not part of the canon. Let's pop outside for a bit and bring it back into the warm. <laughs> We're not an exclusive MCU uh, podcast. We never have been. We never will no, be. No. We love going before the MCU. I mean, we we I mean, we did Planet Hulk in the last episode, yeah. which. Allowed us to cover one of the great, the greatest Hulk stories of all time, and we wouldn't really have been able to have covered it if we just stuck with MCU business. And now we're back at a character we haven't touched in over a year, yeah, um, which is really exciting. And it's the same actor. We'd love a bit of Nick Cage on the show. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, no, that's, that's oh, this, and this is, I mean, we, we've got. A, I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot to talk about. We got some. We got a great cast in this one. We got some stars making cameos <laughs> in, in this one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's... What an incredible uh, little feast this was. I loved getting to go back and play with this character because Ghost Rider, it's 90s Ghost Rider, Danny, Danny Ketch Ghost Rider is one of my all-time favorite characters. So um, this was a hell of a lot of fun. And we know you guys have been, uh, some of you have been chomping at the bit for this for, for, for about a year now. And sorry it's taken so long. We've been distracted. Um, and of course, we're still dealing with the high from our live podcast show that we did the other week. I'm still high from it. <laughs> Get some of those, some of the pictures coming in, guys. If you, if you, if you're out there and you have got, we know we took loads and loads of pictures of people, and we've seen a few come through. 
Um, but if you uh, if you did take pictures with us, we'd love to see them. Um, please share them with us on Twitter at Marvel Versus. Um, we know some some of our our listeners and fans are perhaps uh, I don't know perhaps uh, a little young to be sharing pictures themselves, or they they might not have Twitter accounts or something like that. But if you've got the picture um, from the event, we'd love to see it. We'd love to make a little collage of that. So uh, Twitter at Marvel Versus, we want to see your pictures from the event. People are already asking us when we're going to do another one. We don't know. Uh, we'd like to, wouldn't we, Will? I, 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 I want to do that every month if I could. Every month, we just do it in person somewhere in the UK. But, you know, time, money, organisation, can't always do it. But We've got I, to find I the really... venues. Sorry? We, we, we've got to find the venues we as well. Find the venues. We have had strong interest for something in February next year that it is not Leicester. Um, so there's that to think about. I've not told you about that one. I, I know. You have, you have not. Uh, save the improv from out for outside the show, mate. There is, if you can believe it, a literary festival. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that, has been, that has been interested in us. So that might be fun. Um, that might be fun. Because, hey, we're, we're pretty uh, literate. I can 100% read most words. Um, so, and Will's... He's all, He's fine. He's fine with it. Um, I'm fine with literacy. Where can we see you live and coming up, Will? Uh, yes, that's a good question. Uh, coming up, uh, I'll be at Punchline Comedy at Electroworks in Islington on the 23rd of February. Uh, and then the next day, I'll be driving to where for a gig at The Mixer, uh, a place called Comedy Club. Uh, that's the 24th of February. And Friday, the 25th, uh, I'll be... Uh, oh. Actually, I might have got I might have got these these dates wrong. I just realised you definitely have. Yeah, I just realised these are all old dates. Will these are all old dates? Will you're an idiot? Uh, get off the show. No, sorry. <laughs> Scratch that. This is what ignorance. This is what ignorance provides. Uh, on the f- Tuesday, the first of March, I'm at the Comedy Lab at the People's Park Tavern in uh, Ham. I was going to say no, don't want to say Hammersmith. It's Hackney, the other end of London. Uh, I'm in Cambridge on the third of uh, Thursday, the third of March, for Laugh Tracks. I'm going to be trying some new materials to so see me there. Uh, and then next week, uh, I'm just doing a Happy Laugh Craft at the Shakespeare uh, on Tuesday eighth uh, in in London in the Barbican. And then after that, I get married and go on my honeymoon. <laughs> no, sorry, what? I've already got married. Sorry, we do our we-, we do our wedding reception, and I go on my honeymoon from the, uh, from the 12th. Like a second ago, you were a week behind on your dates, and now you're like months behind. You've definitely already got married. I I was around for that. I remember that happening. It was last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got. So you're having you're having your your, your ceremony, not yeah. your ceremony. You're like reception. Oh yeah, it's a, it's such a weird phrasing around it because we got married. And then it's like, okay, what are we doing this time? We're going to be having the meal and then the wedding reception in the evening. It's going to be a simple do. And then we go- I'm going off to see my first beach in over two years. Oh, man, that'll be fun. I can't wait. I am so happy. <laughs> are you a beach person? You do not strike me as a beach person. Well, let me put it this way. Because I'm not a beach person. I, I like to look. I like to walk along the promenade. I yes. like to stroll I like I love looking at the ocean, but I'm not a fan of sand I, I, or paddling or swimming in the ocean. I have no care. I, I like to I like to look at it and walk along it, and I like to get drunk and look at it. That's I, my favorite I, things to do. I tell I tell you, I I used to I used to love just going on random city breaks, walking around, finding bars, going around famous spots. Love that. 
But I tell you, when I got married, when I got sorry, when I got proposed, when I proposed to uh, my other half, <laughs> there's there's language involved. Uh, I, I uh, we went to Barcelona and I went on the beach and you know what I brought with me? I bought a Bluetooth gaming pad that I plug into there, my there phone. There it is. And there I, it and, is. And we just sat yeah. down. She was reading and I was playing uh, Zelda: Link to the Past on an emulator on my phone. Happy on it, a beach. On a beach. I mean, that's perfect. I, I'm really hoping that by the time we go on this, <laughs> that my the new Steam Deck, the portable PC, uh, is uh, is released and arrives to me, so why, I can bring that to, on holiday with me. Why is that better than just staying in the hotel room and doing it? Because you get the fresh air, Rob. You get the fresh air, yeah. the fresh You can open sun. a window, but... You, yeah, you okay. get the best of both worlds, mate. No, no one can accuse you of staying inside uh, on, on your holiday. I'm out, I, got, I, I had an ex complain to me because I, was, I went to the beach with her on a holiday uh, and I, list, I, I watched um, Yes Minister on a tablet with my headphones on while lying on the beach. I was, and she went, why are you doing that? I went, I'm on holiday. I'm supposed to relax. This is relaxing. Not speaking or looking at you is the most relaxing thing I can think of, my dear. Oh, my God. How (laughs) dare you. Join me now for a trip inside the murky mind of a muggle, a man who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life, whose only exposure to Marvel is through TV shows and movies and video games um, and action figures. Did you have many Marvel action figures as a kid, Will? We had a Spider-Man motorcycle of course yeah ah was it like um drag drag back and pull back and release one no it it might have been it was one of those you know when you get those toys it's like it probably belonged to someone else we don't know how he got it it wasn't part of the full kit i can uh i have strong strong memories of so many of my toys coming from car boot sales yes and, and uh jumble sales at the church and and stuff like that. I, I got yeah. so much of that from. I know I see middle class, but we did go to a lot of car boot sales and got a lot of stuff from there. Oh yeah, I had loads of Star Wars stuff from car boot sales and things. Yeah. Mm. Um, so as we go into your mind and your lack of comic book exposure, I know we've already talked about Ghost Rider, I guess in general, but specifically in the nineties, do you remember seeing Ghost Rider? Um, no. Ghost Rider with this very different car. No, you was your first exposure to, of, of Ghost Rider the movie. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't even see the movie until we until we did it. But I obviously I saw. You were like, aware of it. You saw the trailers. And I, stuff. I, I saw. Oh, look! There's a skull motorbike man on fire. Mm. That looks thrilling. Don't know if I'll watch it though. But yeah, because as we'll as we'll talk about, you know, he he did crop up um, more than one TV show. Um, he also had an incredible line of of um, of, of toys and, mm. and really awesome uh, commercials for those toys that were very <laughs> evocative and were almost had their own animation element to them. Yeah, and video games as well. He's in loads of the video games. I just I I, I might remember something, but nothing jumps out. As like, yeah. oh yeah, I definitely remember the 1997 Ghost Rider toy commercial. Like, I don't, I don't have a memory. Yeah, you don't have surpri- a memory. Would <laughs> it surprise me if I saw something like that? Yeah, it's one of those things that would only stand out to you. I would not only, but largely, it's going to stand out to you if you go, oh my god, because it always stood out to me more when I saw characters that weren't the the big three or four, the major ones. Mm. You know, Spidey, Hulk. You know, those are your major ones. And then as we got into the 80s and, and beyond the X-Men, yep. um, Wolverine-like, to see some of the other ones. At, like, I remember, I distinctly remember 
the Punisher uh, arcade game and thinking, whoa, because he wasn't like a, he didn't feel like a major character. Little I know, he was one of the most popular characters of the 80s. Um, and there being an Avengers video game, yes. a- a- arcade game as well. And I have tried um, playing that. It's old. Which, which, which one? I think it's the early 90s one. Captain America and yeah, it's, the Avengers. It's Captain America and the Avengers, because it's Captain America, Vision, and two others you can play yeah, as. Yeah, it's White Vision, isn't it? I think it's White Vision. It is. It's Ghost White Vision for some reason. Um, yeah, so he he has made he has cropped up all over the place, but it did not penetrate through to your uh, your Muggledom. Nope. Uh, which does make a lot of sense. Again, it would stand. It stood out to me so much because like, whoa, Ghost Rider is in like a cartoon series. Whoa, Ghost Rider's got his own line of toys. Holy crap! Um, even though to me he did feel like, mm, well, we'll get to it. We'll we will get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll hand the reins over to you then, Will, to take a look at the production side of of this movie, which is uh, Spirit of Vengeance from 2011. It's also the name of my favourite Judas Priest album. Sorry, couldn't, couldn't resist. Anyway, let's look at the budget for both Ghost Rider films. So, in 2007, we had Ghost Rider. The budget was $110 million. The box office... $228.7 million. Then in 2011, four years later, we get Ghost Rider. Spirit! Spirit of Vengeance! Sorry, I'm thinking of Judas Priest again. Uh, the budget... Is there is there legitimately a Judas Priest album called Spirit of Vengeance? Uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Oh, okay. It's, it was a little joke if you knew the eight, album title. 80s uh, Judas Priest album. Very, yeah. very good Judas Priest album. Uh, the budget, uh, reportedly between f- uh, 57 to $75 million. Uh, so drop down to half. Well, let's take a look at Ghost Rider. For, I mean, the, the, the first movie. Yeah, we are pre MCU, and yeah. we are pre, we are. Wow, what what year is Batman Begins? Uh, Two thousand and six. So we're we're just in that pocket. Mm. But well, Begins didn't. I forget. Begins didn't really change. I mean, it's, it's Dark Knight is what changed. Oh boy, yes. Dark Knight and Avengers. Um. In terms of in terms of uh, gross, so it's not great, is it? Is it doubling your money is not great? Well, as we've always said, the uh, key to a successful. But, yeah, film, but where did you get this from? <laughs> from film. You studies. always say it. Film but... studies. I got it from film studies. Uh, college in Gosport. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've just never heard. I've, the only person I've ever heard have that rule is you on this show. I've I, I, I've heard other people quote that rule as well. I don't get it. Well, there you go. I just I've never I've never heard the three times rule for a sequel. Three times rule, uh, you're guaranteed a sequel. Uh, yeah, so they made double their money back. I mean, it's it's not terrible. That's quite good. That's really yeah, it's great. But I don't know. It doesn't feel great. It does not feel. You do not want to. In, you don't want to invest 110 million to get 220 back. You just don't. Okay. 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 Um, it's it's. I mean, that's fine for an indie movie. You know, it's yeah. fine for a small production, but. It, it, it's fine yeah, for a John be... Carpenter movie. Yeah, maybe, I guess, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so 57 to 75, uh, that's a nice palindrome number. This is the this is Spirit of Vengeance. Spirit of Vengeance, but it made back 132.6 million. So, really, it made back, you know, the same ratio. Because that is a brutal cut, isn't it? You can tell with this movie that it cost half to make. You can tell. It feels like a TV series. I remember when I first saw this in the cinema, 
thinking it was better. I I like the first one. Think everybody slammed this, and I'll go into it later. But I, my my obviously my my expectations were a lot lower uh, because I didn't hear so many good things about it, and I could see that it was. I, I always look at the. Uh, the budget and everything in the box office before I see a movie. But I have to tell you, despite that, despite it feeling cheaper, it was more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, and we will get to it. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is bizarre. I mean, that is a hatchet job on the budget from 2007. And you're talking, what, four years later? It they sounds like they halved the budget. It sounds like they didn't know what to do with the character. The payoff from the first film wasn't as what they expected, so they just went, uh, "Okay, I guess you can have another one." But you know, for this much yeah. money, did you ever? I'm amazed. I'm amazed they made one if they had this little faith in it. Did you ever watch the five original Planet of the Apes films? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how? Like the, by the time the fifth one, they slashed the they kept slashing the budget after each one, and by the time they got to the fifth one, the budget was so slashed that all they could afford was was the eight costumes, and they just filmed it in the woods. That is kind of though that what used to happen with sequels. Sequels yeah. never made more money. Nope. They always had the, the the major stars were never in them. Nope. You ha- you were left with the rest of the cast and a new person. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was diminishing returns when it came to sequels in Hollywood. And then you turn um, it turn it around to the new Planet of the Apes, and each one of that trilogy is gets better as it goes along. Uh, um, yeah, they, they didn't do much for me, but I can imagine the. The um, budget went up or something. Yeah. I, t- I tell you, the second rewatch, you know, the rewatch of those films. Oh my god, those are tremendous. I don't rewatch films I didn't enjoy. It's just a rule I have in life. <laughs> it's the same reason I don't go and redate my ex. <laughs> like it, it didn't, it didn't end well, uh, and I have no intention of revisiting that. Yeah, but I've not, you know, cried because a film hurt me. That's just, uh, what Transformers the movie? Oh, okay, no Transformers two. Transformers two. No, I didn't cry at it, but I was Spider-Man angry. Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh, I did. I did. Uh, I did yeah, crying, movies yeah. should make you cry. No, okay, I mean, what else can you cry. tell us? Bad. Cry. What else can you tell us? And will we've got some uh, good production notes here when we're finished talking rubbish. Uh, okay, first of all, despite coming five years. Sorry, four to five years after the original. Uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance was greenlit under less than ideal circumstances. Sony had previously secured screen rights to the character uh, from Marvel. After the first film became a hit, there was little doubt that a sequel would follow. For a variety of reasons, including Nicolas Cage's busy schedule, that didn't happen right away. Sony found itself in a position where it had to get a movie into production quickly. Ah... Or, or the Marvel licensing deal would expire. In other words, Sony had to start shooting something by a specific date or lose the franchise. That makes so much sense. Doesn't I mean, the way, sh- these, the way these licensing deals work yeah. is you have to you have to guarantee when you license um, uh, a property from a company that you are going to be um, using that license to make money for you and for them. Otherwise, uh, the, the, the rights to the, the property revert to the original Amazing. owner and they can they can take on new, new offers again. It's also this, one of the... That, that, Sorry, I was also going to say it's one of the also kind of one of the reasons why you see so many reboots. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. I do, well, I don't know whether I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know why it's reboot and not sequel. But yes, it's why they keep making things. Um, I, that explains a lot when you when you think about the budget and the nature of how this film is very quickly 
Uh, it feels like a, a rushed movie. Oh, incredibly. Also, this was originally intended to be a dark and violent R-rated adaption that would have fixed much of what fans disliked about the first instalment. But Sony got cold feet about the idea and instead wanted to go for a more marketing-friendly PG-13 rating. Um, makes a huge amount of sense. You, you, you want to sell uh, toys and merchandise. That's how you make your money. You don't make it on ticket sales. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I'm one of those people who like look at the term. You want everything to be dark and gritty. Not dark and gritty, but a little <laughs> bit of freedom to go with, hey, let's do a Terminator film, but let's make it as violent as the first two. <laughs> Yeah, um, Hollywood certainly turned turn, turn itself down massively, but it's because movies make the majority of their money in China. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the rules are stricter. It's what a time to be alive. Also, Eva Mendes and Peter Fonda refused to reprise their roles. I, I yeah. This is terrible news because Peter Fonda, they're both tremendous uh, on screen performers, mm. and also Eva Mendes is just incredible too stare at even if you can't really yeah even if you zone out and stop following the plot it's it's a and to be fair peter fonda i mean peter fonda was a very attractive dude as well he's he's still um, got it but uh yeah eva mendez i remember seeing her in the other guys uh the comedy with will ferrell and mark Wahlberg. whoa okay uh, yeah. yeah yeah she yeah first time i saw her and i went wow that's the first time you'd seen eva mendez yes okay let's move on <laughs> Bloody! It's not a competition of who could stare at Eva Mendes first, Rob. It's just that to me is a much, much later role where it felt like her career had kind of peaked, and then she was on the back end of things. And but that's fu- but that, that, you, maybe I'm getting my timeline mixed what, up. What do you want from me, Rob? What do you want from an me? awareness of Eva Mendes before <laughs> the other guys? A really obscure, weird movie. Oh, obscure? No. No, I'm not going. Not, not racing to this bait. Um, it's not a blockbuster comedy hit, is it? Well, kind of was. No, it wasn't. Okay, never mind. It uh, was very under the radar. No one talks about it. It's not like one of Will Will's big ones, is it? I I put it under Will's his A big films. Ones. Well, he has his A films and his B films, but that's another conversation for another time. You saw it at the cinema, did you? I saw it at the cinema and I laughed hard. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> How dare you? The but, movies that you see at the cinema compared to the ones that you don't is baffling. Let's proceed. You do cinema wrong, Will. You're incorrect <laughs> yeah. at cinema. You're incorrect at going to the cinema. <laughs> okay, next one. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige announced on May the 2nd, 2013, that the film rights to Ghost Rider had reverted to Marvel Studios, but there were no immediate plans to make another Ghost Rider film. In regards to making the sequel, Mark Neveldine, one of the two directors, said, I know very little about comics. Always a good start. I, I had to put this quote in there because I'm like, how the hell do you start that? I'm a comic book fan as soon as I read them, but I didn't grow up that way. I grew up hunting and fishing in upstate New York, and Brian grew up in L.A. Brian, uh, of course, the other, the other director, Brian Taylor. Uh, we were So we're totally different that way. I ended up reading about hundreds of the Ghost Rider comics, and I loved a lot of them. I loved the idea of the Ghost Rider. I thought, a dude on a motorcycle with a flaming skull? I'm in. Wow. That doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence, does it? No. <laughs> no. 
Because as we have explored an awful lot in this podcast, that these movies should be made in a way that mm-hmm. involves and welcomes and is exciting and entertaining and directly engaging for people that haven't read the comics. However, in order, we can see this from empirical evidence, in order to get to that point, you have to know the heart of these characters and be able to exploit that yep. and, and, and use the heart of that character. Um, and I don't know, I mean... It doesn't necessarily. Mean, it doesn't mean you have to have been a fan your whole life, but uh, yeah, the guy says he read a hundred Ghost Rider comics, and then his takeaway is, "I love the cover art. <laughs> I, I love. I like the. I I love the idea of Ghost Rider. Is not I love Ghost Rider, or I love the character of Ghost Rider, or I love the stories of Ghost Rider. It's I love the idea of Ghost Rider. I like the thing I see on the front cover. Do you know? What, I've looked." At hundreds of front covers of Ghost Rider. I I I I think it's a lot like Owen Wilson in Zoolander, where he goes well, he's being interviewed and he's going the Owen character just goes, Oh yeah, if I had to pick a favourite a musical artist, I'd have to say Sting. I don't listen to his music, but the fact he's making music is just great. It's that kind of Oh, I like it, but I have no understanding of I like the idea of it. I like the idea of it. It's like, what are you saying? What are you saying? Anyway, I'll continue. In February 2012, directors Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor discussed producing a potential Ghost Rider 3 and having someone else direct it. Neveldine said that Cage had expressed interest in appearing in another Ghost Rider film, hinting that the film could move forward provided that Spirit of Vengeance was a success, saying, I know Nick wants to do it, he's very pumped about it, we'll just have to see how well this does. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out for you, didn't work Mark out. Neveldine. It didn't. In fact, in uh, March 2013, when Cage was asked about a possible third instalment, he said, it's possible, but it won't be with me. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. Anything's it's pretty good. Am I, am I, is that a good Nicolas Cage voice? Yeah, it's, a de- decent, it's a decent impression. Thank yeah. you very much. Anything's possible, but I doubt highly that I would be in the third instalment of that. Cage said in 2013 he believes another Ghost Rider film might happen down the road, saying it would be interesting if they did it with a female Ghost Rider, he added. Personally, I'm done. I've done what I had to do with that part. You never say never, but right now, today, I would say that I'm done. I never want to see anyone else play the part of Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Well, as we'll yeah. discuss, I, I, as we'll discuss, I very much want to see Ghost Rider uh, introduced into the Marvel, uh, the MCU. God, yes. And that can be a fresh, young, cool actor. With Nicolas Cage's voice. However, I want Nicolas Cage to play an old, grizzled, haunted Johnny Blaze coming to stalk the new Ghost Rider to try and destroy it or save him from the curse or just like what we got in the comics in the 90s. um, That's my fondest wish. Disney has enough money to make that happen. Let's take a look behind the page now, and and obviously a couple of years ago we did our, our first uh, episode on Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage, two thousand and seven. But let's take a look at the character that's introduced here to the screen for the very first time, Danny Ketch, who for a period of time was one of the most famous, uh, popular, and important characters in Marvel, and was the most popular, famous version of Ghost Rider. 
And Danny Ketch came along in the 90s in the third volume of Ghost Rider is essentially a reboot of the character, a brand new version of Ghost Rider that shared the name and the powers, um, but not the history and and not the the same kind of person behind the identity. Um, and that's something that superhero comics have really always had a success with. Um, in the in the Silver Age of comic books, which is kind of the nineteen sixties onwards, um, DC especially was successful because they created new versions of their pre war characters. There was a a 1930s, 40s version of Green Lantern, The Flash, Hawkman, Black Canary. And then by the time we get to the 60s, DC goes, those are all old and we want to refresh and reboot them. So we'll change the costumes, we'll change the backstory of the character, and we'll just introduce a brand new version of The Flash, brand new version of Green Lantern. And those were very um, successful and and kept those, those things alive. Um, and in the 90s, we we start to see brand new characters again. So we get another new version of Green Lantern, another sort of new version of The Flash. Um, we're also going to see things... Well, we're going to see Superman die mm. in the 90s, in the death of Superman. And when he dies, he gets replaced by four brand new versions of Superman for a period of time. Batman gets um, crippled. By Bane, and we get a a brand new grim and gritty psychopathic person takes up the mantle of Batman and becomes Batman mm. uh, as Bruce Wayne is con- con- consigned to a wheelchair. Um, so th- this kind of reboot was was really about to become all the rage. Um, and Mar- I went, and on the Marvel side, we get um, a, a new character replacing Thor. And we get a new costume for Thor. We get um, a heavy emphasis placed on War Machine over Iron Man. So these were really cool kind of rebooty moments that were going on. Many of them super, super money-making moments. And Ghost Rider really led the charge in that. Especially in terms of completely outplaying a character before. All those other ones I've kind of talked about were fairly major heroes that got a refresh and a reboot. Ghost Rider, it was kind of it went from being like a very second string, third tier character, and the reboot was like kicked Ghost Rider up to a very, very prominent spot in the sales charts and in the comic book sales and 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 in the fans' minds. Um, a real incredible popularity that that I think I think marshaled the long decisions in in the rest of the superhero world, comic book world, of saying, oh yeah, let's get a new cool younger version of green lantern let's replace batman with someone who's younger and a bit grimmer and grittier and let's do i think ghost rider was you know a a a big a big thing for the industry to look at and go work with ghost rider um there's a big difference between the danny ketch uh ghost rider and the johnny blaze one danny ketch doesn't sell his soul to a demon he essentially and we'll talk a little bit more about it as the episode progresses he stumbles across the, the powers become the Ghost Rider by accident. Yes, I remember now. Um, yeah. And and uh, that's much more in the kind of classic vein of superhero comics, really. Um, almost like how Spider-Man becomes Spider-Man by accident. They You stumble across an accidental thing that makes you the hero um, rather than actively Johnny Blaze cursing himself, damning himself to, to seek out this power. 
And I think it's very, it's, it's really, 1994, there's a new version of Green Lantern that is very, very similar. It's a young punk kid, not, not as in street punk, I just mean a young kind of like, you know, just a young kid. Like the, the, the the Kyle Rayner version of Green Lantern is a drunk 20 something who finds the power ring in the back alley of a nightclub, um, (laughs) and becomes a new Green Lantern. Whereas in the 60s, the 60s version of the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, he is chosen for being the bravest and the and the the the, 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 the cleverest and the smartest and the strongest. That's why he's selected to be a hero. By the 90s, there were I guess the comic book industry was trying to like write comics to meet the level of Generation X, and it was stumble out of a nightclub, find a ring, and your life gets kind of weird. Um, it feels like failing upwards. It's just the idea that it can happen to anyone that's reading the comic. I know. That's what they're after. Mm. Um, Danny's bike is massively different as well. Yes. So our original version of of, um, of Ghost Rider is a 60s, 70s character, and he has that kind of easy rider Harley Davidson with the flaming wheels and the, the very high handlebars that come down. Um, he basically you know, kind of looks, a, he looks like most tattoos. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has, whereas Danny Ketch has this amazing 90s-style Japanese superbike. Um, one of those, I don't know if you remember them, the big Jaffas that I, would crush you if they fell on you. I know exactly the kind, because a friend of mine had a Honda Goldwing. And yeah. you, you, I've seen someone walk with that down, down, you know, just walking it, and you're like, no. You do not walk with it. That is heavy, too heavy to walk with. Hondas, yeah, Kawasaki's. These were all the rage in the nineties. I live in a. I don't live in a city. I live in a middling town. We had two Japanese superbike stores in my town. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just. They were just. Uh, uh, hugely popular and hugely of the moment. They start to dominate uh, motorbike sports, and they were just—they were nearly an extreme sport, which was all the rage in the nineties. Yep. It was just—they were just. I mean, you couldn't turn on a movie without seeing one of the good guys or the bad guys riding those bikes along. Oh, um, do you ever? You're not much of a video game player, but do you remember Road Rash? Of course, yeah. Ma- ma- major game, Road Rash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All about the Japanese superbikes and yeah, that Absolutely. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. And the character gets a complete redesign as well. Gone is the, the evil Knievel jumpsuit that Johnny Blaze wore. Um, Danny uh, Danny Ketch wears a leather jacket with metal spikes on the shoulders, metal spikes on his gloves. The exact look that the movie would use for Johnny Blaze, weirdly yep. enough. I think we talked in the first the first episode of covering this the 2007 movie that that the character in the movie is kind of a mix of Johnny Blaze mm. and Danny Ketch. He has some of Danny Ketch's powers. He 100% has the look of Danny Ketch, but has the name and the backstory of Johnny Blaze. It's very strange. The, the pendant stare, where you can look someone dead in the eye and make them feel pain and, and, and the... the, the the biker chain that is infused with hellfire. Yeah. That's all Danny Ketch. That's not a Johnny Blaze thing at all. Um, 
So the movies use a hodgepodge of those of those things together. Um, and Ghost Rider in the 90s starts to become referred to as a spirit of vengeance for the first time. There we go. Um, so we get the title of the movie from this 90s Ghost Rider reboot as well. Um, becomes avenging the innocent with brutal violence. This version, this Danny Ketch version of Ghost Rider, becomes an anti-hero for pretty much the first time. Um um, and because of the popularity of anti-heroes in movies and in comic books, that's what we get. We get a Ghost Rider who has a lot more in common with Punisher and Wolverine than, than anything else. Um, another big difference with this Danny Ketch is that this version of Ghost Rider has a secret identity. Oh. Uh, Johnny Blaze was kind of more like the Hulk. He yeah. drove around from town to town having adventures, um, but never staying anywhere too long. Whereas Danny Ketch has a family, has a girlfriend, has a secret identity, a job, and villains trying to find out who he is so they can they can get at him, um, and that again is uh, another another thing of trying to make him relatable. I think to the reader mm. as well, um, which was done with the new Green Lantern, which was obviously a huge selling point of of, of Spider Man since the sixties. This was this this Ghost Rider's popularity. I really can't understate. I really can't overstate it enough. Really, um, it's the, and and the re this Danny Ketch is the reason the character appears in um, cartoons. He, he shows up in um, in uh, the Fantastic Four cartoon, the Incredible Hulk cartoon that we've dealt with. Yeah, who was um, he voiced by in the Incredible Hulk cartoon? Do you remember? No. Johnny something. Uh, he was a famous actor uh, in the 80s, and it was like, oh, that guy, he popped up in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia oh. playing himself. Ah. I, I no, can't remember the name. Sorry. I wasn't prepared. Yep. Um, so that, this version, Danny Ketch, his popularity is why Ghost Rider starts to cross over and has those cartoon appearances, um, has video game appearances, um, and it's the reason that the, that the comic book is optioned by movie companies. Mm. Um and uh, it really is just he was he was absolutely everywhere. The supernatural stuff, I think, as we mentioned in our first episode, the supernatural stuff that had become super popular during the eighties, Stephen King and Dean Koontz and all that. Th- these guys had become superstars, and their books were started being adapted into movies and TV shows. Supernatural slasher things, vampire movies, became a huge part of of pop culture. So the time was really right for Marvel to. I guess re re revisit um that kind of that 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 style that they've not been able to really do or hadn't been doing since the sixties. And also the, the artwork of of the time was incredible. Max uh, sorry, Mark Texera became the artist on Ghost Rider with issue five and um no one had ever seen anything that he I mean he blows people away with his artwork um I mean the ghost rider of the 70s is dead and buried um and there's this bombastic badass super cool ghost rider exploding off the front covers teaming with punisher teaming with wolverine and just blowing up the scene and and the huge popularity of that is really what what leads to was getting this movie here We love it when you guys get in touch and let us know where you've been listening to the show and what you want to see and what you've enjoyed. Um, you can always get drop us a line, uh, marvel versus marvel at gmail.com, or you can tweet something to us at marvel versus. Will, what is in the mailbag this month? Well, we got uh, some quite some stonking great ones in the mailbag this month. 
King Canuck wrote in to say, Hello from the Great White North. I absolutely loved your review of the Planet Hulk animated film, and while the World War Hulk special hasn't dropped yet, I'm sure it'll be just as fantastic. Going into Thor Ragnarok, I was quite excited, having seen the initial trailers with that cool synthesizer soundtrack and Jack Kirby-inspired setting and background characters. Now that I know more about how traditional Thor is, I understand that his appointment that uh, his appointment that movie for isn't him, but seeing as the first two solo outings were quite dull, I was happy to accept this more flippant and energetic Thor. In my head, it was a result of the adventures he had between movies that we will sadly never know about. Yeah, I have issues with that movie that we'll talk about when we get there. It's a tonal gear shift that is just bonkers. That being said, I didn't enjoy either of the previous two movies. Yeah, I was about and to I, say. And I did enjoy Ragnarok, so, but it's a weird one. I know, it's a massive tonal shift. It is basically a synthwave film. Uh, but I tell you... Well, it's, 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 it, they've completely changed the character. That's my issue. They completely changed the character. Do you know why? He's funny now. He's really funny. Taika uh-huh. Waititi went in and went, yeah, let's make him funny. And let's put let's put a, a Kiwi character in there. Let's make Korg a Kiwi. I got beef with that guy because he's going out with Rita Ora and I don't think that should be allowed. So I can't bring myself to admit that he's good and funny, even though I enjoy a lot of the stuff he makes. I just can't bring myself to do it, Will, and I won't. There we go, Rob the Couple Police, telling <laughs> which man could be paired off with who. Very spe- no, 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 no one, there's very specific people that no one's allowed with. <laughs> Okay, you, you, you keep telling yourself that. Uh, sorry, where was I? Quite disappointed with that uh, big green giant was in the trailers. A friend of mine who recently watched the series Blind said it was a fantastic surprise for him. One question... Yeah, that's that's something to pick up that we talked about in the, in the Planet Hawk episode is that I talked about how the Silver Surfer is such a huge surprise and a cliffhanger in the comic, and it was absolutely awesome. Um, and that's kind of the role that it seems like the Green, La- uh, um, the Green Lantern, that the the Hulk plays in the movie. It would have been cool to have, I don't know, kept it a secret. But they very much wanted people to go and see Hulk and Thor together having fun. Yeah, that would have been fun. One question for the both of you. Would you have preferred a Planet Hulk movie in this spot? Or do you think blending it with a Thor story was better for the overall narrative at work? Oh, what a question. What a question. I... I, I, I I do not know. I cannot. I don't get it. I don't get why it's smatterings of Planet Hulk, but nothing else to do with Planet Hulk. I don't get why they took away. Other than Marvel can't make a planet, can't make a Hulk movie. They're not allowed. Yeah, not allowed. Universal have still got the reins on the big green fella. So other than, I don't understand why take that away from yourself. I don't get why Ragnarok had to. Involve those elements. You could still have the Hulk in it. You can still have uh, the 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 Asgard stuff. You can do all of that. I don't get why we had to have Sakar, but the collectors there. But Hulk. I don't get it. I don't one, get it one, at all. One word, one phrase comes to mind: geek baiting. Yeah, I yeah. guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if they needed to do that at that point. Uh, I I don't know if they needed to. Well, I liked it, <laughs> but that's not the question. The question oh, yeah. is, would you have preferred? 
I don't know. Planet Hulk is a very... Uh, I like a cheese sandwich, but I'd prefer a steak. You I, know, it's, I, they're not mutually exclusive yeah, I know. to enjoy something but prefer something else. I really enjoyed the story to Planet Hulk, and I enjoyed our episode on it. Uh, we did last time. Uh, it's a very tonally different story, though. Uh, there is no fun to be had with Planet Hulk. Not like you can with... Uh, with with that with the Thor Ragnarok, but you know, to answer the question, I don't know. Uh, uh, if it's one or the other, it, it, I I would have I would have in in a world where we could get a Hulk movie, vastly vastly preferred a a a really good adaptation of Planet Hulk. I'd be interested, but very uh, reservedly interested because <laughs> I I I don't know I don't know how they could have made it work in the MCU, but. Hey, I'm curious. Thor can Asgard can g- collapse at any other time if they want. They can do a Thor movie where Asgard collapses. That's I don't get why we went to Sakaar. Uh, but fine. Yep, yeah, it's fine. Uh, next letter, Marty M sent this in. I suppose I always knew it was only a matter of time. In every episode, you guys talk about your bonus episodes, and every month I tell myself that I don't need them, and I can just save that money for Netflix. You're fooling yourself, Martin. Spotify. You fo- no, you fo- don't say the dirty S word. Yeah. You're f- fooling yourself, Marty. <laughs> well, this month you finally broke me. You're damn right, Marty. Damn right. Because it comes to you all. It'll happen to everyone eventually. I've seen the Planet Hulk cartoon and I rewatched it before this week's episode and I really loved it and I absolutely cannot believe how the story ends in the comic books. Everyone dead. Hulk madder than ever with a space army heading to Earth to kill the Avengers. A cliffhanger. I know you guys did this on purpose, and it worked. There's no. Wait, but this is not my first rodeo, Marty. This is not day one. You this ha- is not episode one. I know what I'm doing. You have not met Rob Holden. I have met Rob Holden. He is a devious man. FOMO, baby. FOMO. <laughs> That's Carpe, this DM. Uh, there's no way I could walk away from this now and not get the rest of the story. I don't think I've ever felt sad for the Hulk before, and I kind of want him to rip Iron Man apart. Yup. So I've finally done it. I've cancelled my Spotify and finally done the right thing and joined you on Patreon. I'm Welcome. Sli- I'm slightly mad you've beaten me. But I've also got 30, 30 new episodes to listen to. More than 30, Marty. 30, 30 plus. Uh, we beat, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up, Marty. We beat everyone in the end. We, we always win. The house always wins. And Marvel versus Marvel is the house. We don't like to think of Marvel versus Marvel as a podcast, more of a war of attrition. <laughs> uh, just one more letter. Uh, Carly got in touch. Thank you both so much for making this podcast. I love it. I've never really listened to anything like this podcast before. I usually listen to true crime shows and audio dramas. We could, one of us could kill the other if you want, and then we could do an investigation. We can listen. We can help you guys out. I know. I I have watched every single episode of The Wire. I think I could definitely do something and get away with it. 
Oh, yeah, that's another part, getting away with murder. Uh, not worth it for a podcast, I'm afraid, or a Patreon. Natural police. Natural police. Oh, don't. You're making me f- regret that Lester Freeman's not my dad or uncle. <laughs> but, she said, I jumped aboard when I found your episodes on the cartoon Phoenix Saga. And, oh, my God, you put so much work into every episode. Yeah, not going to dispute that. No. We do. We put, especially those ones, especially those ones, we put a hell of a lot into into uh, every episode, especially those ones. Yeah, That's... thank you for recognising that, uh, Carly, Charlie? It, it, Carly. It's it's nice when they actually point that out because I, I do spend a lot of free time going, okay, let's go through this, write, let's write stuff up, and then talking to you going, is this enough? Have we got enough here? Yeah, and also I think sometimes you can feel everything's, everything's rocking and rolling and going very nicely, but I know it happens to me as a listener and a consumer you sometimes get used to it. You expect all that work to be done every episode for you. You know what I mean? It's just Mm. like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they put loads of work into that. But that's just what they do. So it's nice to have that recognition. It's nice to have that, that, you know, yeah, acknowledgement of of the work we do. Absolutely. You answered all my questions, and then you answered questions I didn't even know I had. It was so cool. To discover this new show and find out there's loads of episodes and they're all hours and hours long. It was like when I found a new TV show I like on Netflix and there's nine seasons to dive into. I've now listened to all your X-Men episodes up to Deadpool 2 and I did it in 10 days. I just keep... Oh, it's not a geez. race. It's not a race, Carly. I, I just keep kept listening to your podcast every chance I've got. I've had so, I have had to pace myself a bit since then, but I've also listened to all your Spider-Man episodes as well. I always felt self-conscious as a new Marvel fan, but now I feel like I know so much. I know about things from the history of Marvel, and I'm adding to my comic book collection whenever I can afford to. That's... Uh, again, we I, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but we really hope that this is a, a podcast for lots of new new uh, people that aren't as well versed in Marvel. We don't want there to be any gatekeeping in nope. in Marvel comics. It's, no gatekeeping. That's BS. Nope. That's BS by nope. old men. We don't need or want that around here. I'm so so pleased, Carly, that you found us and you feel like that and you feel that connection to it and. And then that we're, we're, yeah, the new fans are awesome. New fans are so awesome. Yeah, she uh, concludes, thank you for both making this podcast. Uh, please never stop. I need to learn everything. Uh, thank you so much for that, Carly. That's a really, really lovely letter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you if, if you want us to never stop, uh, you got to head over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, because that's how you help us keep the lights on around here. That's how you keep us engaged and interested. That's how you show us that love, and you acknowledge that you you need us. Um, and, and you let us know that we need to keep making these episodes, because if you go away, well, I guess we'll go away. Um, shout out Zach Thomas, shout out Mikey W, shout out Peter J, shout out Sam. Those are our big ballers. Um, those guys do the super right thing on uh, on Patreon. They uh, are a big part of this podcast. We talk about them every episode because they go further than anybody yes. else. They go further to supporters than anybody else. If uh, you know, it's like when a movie a movie has those credits at the top. Mm. Executive producer, you know, 
special thanks to that's what those that's what those credits are for. Zach Thomas, Mikey W, Peter J, Sam. Um, we absolutely need those guys to be front and center. We give you so much, you need to give back. Um, but you also, I mean, you need to know what we've got cooking because we dropped Planet Hulk and we dropped one of the most. I mean, it's a heartbreaking cliffhanger. How did that, the Planet Hulk cliffhanger, how does it make you feel, Will? Uh, Like, I am incredibly hungry for someone else's revenge. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of cathartic thing of watching someone get revenge. I can't remember. The last time I felt like that was Infinity War. Yeah, where you felt because like, so so much so much loss has been handed to people. Yeah, and you're like going, you're desperate for them to rise up and you need to. Yeah, you, you, I just want to see them rip apart their oppressor and get back what they need. And what and that's what you want to see Hulk do. I definitely want. I want. Oh God, I want to see it so much, so much. And yet, even even with the knowledge that the people Hulk is returning to a revenge on are the superheroes of Marvel. Do you know what? I love I love moral ambiguity, so don't try and talk me mm. out of it. And hey man, we dropped uh we dropped a Planet Hulk episode talking about the Illuminati and then like a <laughs> couple days later <laughs> yeah. Doctor Strange trailer lands and everyone's talking about the Illuminati. Yes. Um oh. we are once again the Svengalis of 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 Marvel. We are the Rasputins of the podcast space. <laughs> I like to think that Kevin Feige listens to the podcast and and just every now and again goes, oh, they're doing that. Maybe they're doing an episode in the X-Men cartoon. Maybe I should revive the X-Men yeah, cartoon. Yeah, that's exactly what happens, man. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. So yeah. we detailed in that last episode that the, the, the best Hulk story and the most tragic end, yeah, the most heartbreaking end and the rage that is palpable in you as a reader and we ended it with Hulk is coming back to Earth with an armada, with an with an army, mm. um, and he is stronger and and madder than ever. Um, and that's World War Hulk. And that episode is our, our our very special Feb episode. But special, I can't get my words out. That special episode is our February full length bonus episode because Hulk returns to the planet Earth and kicks off an event known as World War Hulk, where he targets everyone in the Marvel Universe to try and get at the members of the Illuminati that hurt him. Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Professor X, Black Bolt, Namor. He is coming. And whether there are Avengers, X-Men, Fantastic Four, who Ghost Rider, whoever's in front of him is is going to suffer the the wrath of Hulk of the Warbound of the Sakarian army as World War Hulk getting into it on Patreon this month uh, on on uh, on a very special full length bonus episode. Don't forget we've got the uh, obscure Marvel episodes that drop each and every month, where me and Will take a fun look, a little mini episode at a ridiculous character or story from the Marvel universe, and that's not it. We told you about it in the last episode, but hell, brother. March, the full-length bonus episode for March, is the special video of the live podcast that me and Will had made and filmed and recorded while we were there live. So you guys that weren't able to make it, 
you uh, you're going to get a chance to see the live podcast. Um, seeing a show for the for the very very first time, we put our hands in our pockets. We hired a film crew. We got this thing put together and made and and edited, and we've seen it now. I'm like, oh, it was so cool seeing it. Oh, it was so good. Such a good thing. So cool seeing it. Um, so pleased that we chose to to invest, you know, reinvest back in the podcast and and get that that, that film crew out and 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 immortalize this kind of cool thing that we may never get to do again. Exactly. Um, that's me and Will, and we get uh, Dan Dan the Banjo Man, uh, the best banjo player in the country. He is uh, playing the theme song and playing some incidental music throughout the episode. That's kind of fun. And we take a look at the What If episode. What if Earth lost its mightiest heroes? We dive into the history of of uh, parallel universes, the multiverse, and Marvel, and the What If comic, and then we get to touch on some very dark stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, many, many deaths and and murders and decapitations and snake people and oh, God, uh, that was so good. A huge amount of fun. Yeah. Um, so look, I, this is the this is the time to do it. This is the time to join patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You need to listen to World War Hulk. You need to see the video of our first ever live podcast, and it's all waiting for you each and every month. Uh, two bonus episodes a month, uh, and those things will keep you going when the. Uh, the, the regular episodes are been, have been and gone. Head on over. Don't just consume. Contribute. Give back to us like you know you need to. Do the right thing. It's patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We have dived into the, the, the history of Danny Ketch, the 90s Ghost Rider. We've taken a look behind the scenes at how the movie had to be made on a rushed deadline and the slash budget that incurred. We've uh, we paid some bills, listened to the people that matter the most, and let you know how to do the right thing and what you can expect from us in Feb and March on Patreon. Only one thing left to do, Will, and I, I think that's to uh, to go through this movie step by step. Take it away. I'm pressing play, Rob. I'm pressing play. In Romania... Moreau, an alcoholic French monk, speeds through a mountainous road on a motorcycle to reach a monastery. The monks greet him and lead the biker monk down into their high-tech command centre where they discuss a child that the devil wants and warns of an impending attack. As soon as the head monk explains how secure the monastery is, an armed team attacks the building and destroys all their defences. Moreau tries to help a boy named Danny, along with his mother, Nadja, escape, but the boy's mother does not trust Moreau and shoots at him. Nadja escapes with Danny in a car, pursued by a mercenary called Ray Carrigan and his team of soldiers. Moreau is also hot on the heels of Danny and Nadja, hoping to protect them from the mercenaries. Corrigan, sorry, Carrigan... <laughs> Peep show, isn't I, it? I knew you were going to keep calling him Ray Corrigan. I knew it. Mark Corrigan. <laughs> Mark Corrigan. Uh, Captain Corrigan. Ray, Car- Ray Carrigan. Ray Carrigan. Ray Carrigan. Ray Carrigan. Ray Carrigan opens fire on Moreau, bursting his rear tyre and sending him off the side of the road and down the mountain. But as he flies off his bike, Moreau spins around and opens fire at Carrigan's car, bursting one of their tyres, causing their car to flip and allowing Danny and Nadja to escape. Okay, so we've got Idris Alba 
and Anthony Head in the first minute. Holy crap, this movie rules. <laughs> it's like, for, like, for stars. Oh. You've got my attention now, guys. You've got my attention. Also, that spinning Moreau stunt was ridiculous. Um, it was brilliant, what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Uh, I did recognise the machine gun he has because I've got a replica for my airsofting of the same one. Uh, it's very nice little modern piece of tech. Uh, also, but... <laughs> This this isn't how we first meet Danny Ketch in the original stories, isn't it? We've discussed it. No, he's, he's a fully 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 grown fella. Fully grown um, fella, no mother. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's Halloween in 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 Brooklyn. Um, Barbara Ketch is like um, like everyone, like like all girls with daddy issues. She's super into spooky stuff, the supernatural, and Halloween. Um, in a very performative way. So she drags <laughs> her brother, Danny. Oh, God. <laughs> Are we gram. gatekeeping Halloween now? For the gram, for the gram. <laughs> uh, she drags her brother, Danny, to a famous um, uh, cemetery uh, in New York where Houdini is buried. Mm-hmm. And this and lots of spiritualists go there and, and goths, they gather there and they do seances and stuff. And that is a legitimate thing. I don't know if it happens anymore, but certainly in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s that that used to be a real thing um at the cemetery on the way there they get jumped uh, by some kids in masks um you try to rob them and danny is too scared to stand up for himself and do anything and his sister she like chases them off and then she's like she yells at him for not standing up for himself and uh, makes him feel pretty crappy um at the cemetery they then stumble across a like a, a sit not quite a sit down a standoff between two gangs two rival gangs uh, a gunfight breaks out and um they get spotted and barbara gets um shot and gravely injured bleeding to death and danny tries to carry her to safety and he breaks into a, an old junkyard they're completely surrounded by armed gang members Barbara is bleeding to death Danny is like covered in her blood and he's like desperate for help and he's exhausted and he he, he, he tries to hide and sees in the middle of this dusty old junkyard a brand new pristine superbike, Japanese superbike black badass thing and covered in his sister's blood, desperate for a way to escape he, he kind of grabs hold of it and he touches the glowing gas cap on the bike, um, and that explodes with light, and he is transformed into the Ghost Rider, and the bike becomes, you know, flaming wheels and and all of that. So yeah, that's how we are first introduced to uh, to Danny Ketch, not as a child. Badass. Eight years have passed since Johnny Blaze became the Ghost Rider, and he's had to run halfway across the world into hiding, fighting the evil spirit inside of him. The Ghost Rider feeds on. Can the- you do evil again for me one more time? Evil. No. Evil spirit. <laughs> evil spirit. The Ghost Rider. No, fe- you're making it too like dramatic. Originally, you. <laughs> it's not evil. That's a proper way of doing it. You're an evil spirit. <laughs> Let me say words how I want. I enjoyed, greatly enjoyed it, and I just wanted to hear it again. I thought it was fun. I'm not I want to put it on a t-shirt. Um, Should we do t-shirts, guys? Get in touch. Let us know. I'm not a performing monkey. Would you like to see evil spirits on a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> or a cameo? Do you want Will to do a cameo? A Halloween cameo? The only thing we should have on a t-shirt is good boy gets his treat. 
It's absolutely not happening. <laughs> evil phrase. Um, anyway, the ghost rider feeds on the evil of his victims. That's going to happen for the rest of the show now. And oh, God. Consumes th- I'll, I'll do it until you tire of it so it never becomes a T-shirt. Uh, the evil of his victims and consumes the souls of sinners, but does not differentiate between little white lies and cold-blooded murder. One morning, he's woken up by Moreau walking into his hideout. The monk explains how Danny is in great danger and knows that Blaze is the legendary rider, someone who can keep the boy safe. Blaze's interest in protecting the boy is piqued when Moreau mentions that the person after Danny is a dangerous man named Rourke. Johnny recognises Rourke as the human form of the demon responsible for his curse, Mephistopheles. Seeking a cure for the curse of the Ghost Rider, Johnny agrees to help. Fun fact, Idris Elba is wearing the same contact lenses as he wore in Thor. Are they exactly the same? I think they... I, I read somewhere they are, and then I was watching the film, and I was wow. like... Wow. I don't know if they're... The what exact- a strange thing for someone to have put on the internet. I know. It's, you know, facts and connection. That's what we're all about, <laughs> isn't it? But never mind. Us, you know. So, we're... <laughs> Sorry, I, I swallowed wrong while talking. Uh, never swallow Put that in a t-shirt. Never swallow while talking, people. I got some horrible statistics about that. Uh, a great, a great t-shirt for Will that just says, "I swallowed wrong." <laughs> no, don't. We're meeting a very depressed, messed up Johnny Blaze here. Is he like this in the comics? It's kind of weird. I was um, really hoping you'd go, oh, hundred <laughs> percent, like you do." Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, so in 1983, Marvel kind of ends the Johnny Blaze story. Mm. Um, the demon that makes him Ghost Rider is exercised from his body, um, and Johnny is no longer the Ghost Rider. He gets married, he has kids, they cancel the comic books, and that's the last story. Um, a year into the huge success of the 90s ghost rider johnny blaze returns as this completely updated revamped character he's older um he's got stubble and a trench coat he smokes he drinks he knows all about the occult and he's hunting demons he's the marvel version of john constantine i was literally just about to say is he bloody constantine and i adored it i absolutely adored it um it was cooler to me when I was a kid because he didn't have any powers, mm. but he knew he had all this knowledge and supernatural stuff. Yes. And as a kid, I loved Hellblazer, John Constantine, as a kid. As an adult, I can appreciate he should never, ever, ever do anything with any uh, superheroes, right? But as a kid, part of me always wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, and Johnny Blaze was kind of like giving me that fix a little bit. Um, and I and there was something so cool to me because I used to I had read growing up older comics, so I'd read the Ghost Rider of the seventies, and it was it was this callback, this this um, this this expanding the mythology of the character. I'd seen loads of revamps of, of comic book character, superhero characters, but this was expanding the mythology and this was giving me something that I like something familiar in a brand new way, mm. in a way that took an old, kind of cheesy seventies character, a little bit cheesy, and made him 
like urban and and a bit <laughs> gave me an edge and and that's what I wanted in the nineties and it was so freaking awesome. It was extreme with a capital X. Yeah, nearly, <laughs> nearly, yeah. Um, so yeah, J- Johnny Blaze is like the lone wolf, the loner out on his bike. He hears that Ghost Rider is back. As he's drinking whiskey in some bar somewhere, and he's like, I can't have that. So he gets on his motorbike and he rides all across the country on his own, smoking the whole time, his trench coat billowing in the wind. Um, very Terminator kind of, you know, yeah, vibes. And yeah. he goes to hunt the ghost rider. Um, and he, because he believes the demon that, 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 um, terrorized him made his life hell for so many years is back so he's going to chase and kill that demon and so he spends several issues stalking ghost rider and trying to kill him several times but then comes to realize that this is a different ghost rider this ghost rider doesn't kill people when he has the opportunity and and starts to realize ah this this ghost rider this this danny kid isn't possessed by the same thing that possessed me. Right. There's something different, and he seems to be... And so they hate each other to begin with, but they start to work together. And Johnny Blaze, he's still this hard-drinking... I don't know if he's quite depressed, but he's very... He is 90s cynical. There we he is go. a character written for Gen X. Mm. Um, and for me as a kid. And yeah, they he teach he teaches Danny all about Ghost Rider and the occult and how to fight demons and they ride together. And along the way he gets like a shotgun that is powered by hellfire, so he can actually kill vampires and demons with it and his Harley becomes similar to the the one he wrote. It's it's just really it's really cool. But yeah, he, it's the same way he is this kind of this fallen, kind of broken down older figure, yeah. Did you ever play or have knowledge of the game Devil May Cry. Yeah, yeah. I reckon they've stolen a lot from Ghost Rider because it's he is he is, um, he is the son of Sparda, half demon guy called Dante, and he has a shotgun and he has that cynical edge to him, and you know, and he feels like a superhero, but with that demonic edge to it. Maybe it it feels to me more like uh, yeah you're possible right with a the shotgun they 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 feel to me like not overly original characters like yeah. they're perhaps aspects of a trope that you might be seeing in supernatural TV movies and and kind of like not very and and kind of. Uh, supernatural action movies with not a huge amount of budget. I don't think there was anything particularly um original. I, I'm not I'm not saying Blaze is a wonderfully but what was for me was cool is that they took an existing character completely out mm. of its comfort zone and went, boom, this is kind of a nineties version of him and you know, give him a little bit of an edge. Didn't like in court, whoa, I love it when they weave in the backstory. Oh absolutely. they didn't they didn't go, none of that happened, he's now this they said it all happened. He lived with a demon inside him for a decade, and now he's kind of messed up about it. Like, but yeah, yeah, I do remember Devil May Care. I remember Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry. Um, trying to toggle through and use that 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 shotgun and then the sword as well. And stuff. Oh, yeah, God, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that game. It was one of the ones I from the PlayStation Two. They uh, re they they did a remaster for the PC, and I went for. I it don't the understand year. those things, but yes. Uh, I've never been able to understand why they do a game again. 
they 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 shine make it up. They just shine... make, a, make, no, just make a sequel. They, make a sequel. They did if that. You're gonna the... do it, if you're going to do all that stuff anyway, just make a sequel. They did that at the same time. Never mind. No. It seems very, very like a terrible waste of money to me. Well, people buy it. There's a market for it, and we enjoy it. We enjoy shiny old games. Anyway, I'll continue with the film. Actually, to me, it's like. <laughs> Okay, do you buy Blu-ray DVDs of films from the eighties? Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I don't at the moment because I don't have a Blu-ray player. Um, I do everything streaming. I, I can see myself definitely doing it. Yeah, it's the same principle. But I'm buying Blu-ray because I have no other option. Okay. I can't okay. watch the existing thing anymore. I could get a Devil May Cry game. But I then have to repurchase a PS2, install yeah. that, and then also find Devil May Cry somewhere. Or I could save money and get it for but cheap. But isn't everything cheap- emulated these games? Can't you just like get an emulate an emulated version of anything you want, whenever you want, online? Uh, up to a certain point, when you reach the PS2 era, it gets very hard to emulate right, okay. things. And I, believe okay. me, I've tried. Okay. I hope you've been taking notes at home. Uh, anyway, back to the story. At a nearby village, Nadia and Danny are being followed by the mercenaries as they drive off into the mountains. Later that night, Carrigan and his men ram Nadia off the road while Johnny Blaze starts to transform into Ghost Rider and speeds away, leaving Moreau behind. Carrigan's men take Nadia to him, who turns out to be Nadia's ex. His men take Danny out of the car and start roughing him up causing an enraged Nadia to break free and try to shoot them before being knocked to the ground as Corrigan ignores Nadia, please, and goes to... Corrigan. <laughs> Not Corrigan, Carrigan. Did I say Corrigan? Yeah, that's why I said it. I'm so angry at myself. As Carrigan ignores Nadia's please and goes to shoot Danny, Ghost Rider suddenly rides in and faces up against the mercenaries. As they open fire, Ghost Rider burns one of the group while devouring the soul of another. As Ghost Rider advances on Carrigan and his remaining men, Nadja distracts him and the mercenaries open fire on the demon. Ghost Rider is shot with a pack with powerful shotguns, blasting him into a car before Carrigan fires off a finishing blow with the grenade launcher, blowing up the Ghost Rider. With the demon seemingly dealt with, Carrigan kidnaps Danny and drives off, leaving a distraught Nadja behind. Uh, I, I read about this uh, the effect they went for in this film uh, and it really is noticeable Ghost Rider and his bike look a lot more crispy in this film don't they what do you mean by crispy as in like a crisp burnt burnt, burnt. okay there you go there's this sort of if you look at yes, his bike there is this carbonised flakiness to it uh, the yeah. skull isn't shiny anymore he's crispy he's a crispy yeah I liked, I liked the version of the skull they showed us I yeah, I prefer Ghost Rider in this film, definitely. Also, <laughs> this is an interesting fact. I read that Nicolas Cage based his performance as Ghost Rider on his pet snake. Snake? If you rewatch the scene... On his snake? Yes. He actually moves like a snake. He's got, he, he does that, sudden, sudden, that still then sudden movement as Ghost Rider in this scene, like a snake. Well, that, yeah, there's definitely something very... Uh, inhuman about it. Yeah. What's um, more it, inhuman it, than a snake? Come on. I know. It, it always struck me as a very Michael Myers kind of approach to the character. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I get but yeah, it. you might be right. There might be a there might be a jerky. I mean, it's the, it's Myers the, has kind of jerky movements, but I have to rewatch Halloween now. I, I didn't notice any jerky movement. Michael Myers was just, you know, lumbering in the distance. You know, still. I worked with a masked wrestler once, and I was trying to tell the masked wrestler how they should move, um, and I said, you know, just. We're just doing 97 cane here. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, slow? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But that wrestler is not a fan of wrestling, so he's never seen it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a really rare thing, a wrestler that doesn't really like wrestling. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, Kane in 1997, like when he first came into WWF, and he was like, I never watched it. I have no idea what you're talking about. And they went, Michael Myers then. I'm just talking Michael Myers. Watch Halloween and just do Michael Myers for us. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. Threatening slow. Um, also, the fact that they, they, they turn an, an obviously demonic figure with shotguns and then a grenade launcher. I mean, that's not going to work, is it? I mean, how do you kill the Ghost Rider? Oh, you'll have a time. So uh, the Johnny Blaze version of Ghost Rider, I, I don't think was. I mean, the seventies comics, a bit different in the eighties, maybe. But it was never really any many any many tough fights or major threats, yeah. physical threats. I don't think it wasn't until the nineties that we just saw, and they put an emphasis on just how strong the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider was. He absolutely cannot be killed. In any physical way. <laughs> like Ghost Rider's physical form has like an, an infinite level of of durability. Um, thanks to the spirit of vengeance living inside him. And that and that and and that I guess is true for Johnny Blaze as well, going forward, when they kind of came up with that idea in the nineties, they they carried it on. In our bonus episode, World War Hulk, uh, we will discuss uh Ghost Rider versus the Hulk, the Hulk in his most in his most powerful form, a Hulk who was absorbed very recently and a huge dose of radiation, which has increased his strength um, and his power. Um, a Hulk that is referred to as the World Breaker. This is the most powerful form the Hulk takes, and he fights Ghost Rider one on one, and it's essentially a stalemate. Oh God! Because the Hulk, the Hulk is. The, probably the most powerful physical thing in Marvel, but Ghost Rider just can't be. He can't put him down. He can't. You can't end him, and, and can't physically destroy the Ghost Rider, no matter what he does. And so it kind of just it, it just comes to a stalemate. And they have to go their separate ways. <laughs> um, what? Sorry, they they just stop fighting. And go. Should we stop? Uh, no. Uh, to uh, a little uh, sneak peek, the Ghost Rider tries to see the Hulk's sins Ooh. and his realizes the Hulk is on a righteous path of vengeance. That the Hulk in this moment is just as much a spirit of vengeance as he himself. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So there is nothing the Ghost Rider can or wants to do to punish the Hulk the right- because the Hulk has guilty people that need to be punished. The righteous path of the Hulk sounds like a... a- right. It sounds like a arc story arc that has yet to be done. It's also t- a terrifying thought as well. Yeah. Um, so you need mystical uh, uh, abilities or weapons to, yeah. to do the job. What you really need to do, because 
you when it when it, it is Ghost Rider, you can't physically destroy it. No. You, all you can really do is separate the the spirit of vengeance from the human form. Absolutely. Um, the mortal host. You can then probably kill the mortal host. You can banish or do something to the to the to the spirit, to the demon or whatever it might be, depending on who you're dealing with. Um, Blade, the vampire hunter, once stabbed Ghost Rider through, um, and B- Blade was um, gone mad, gone absolutely bloody mad, bloody um, mad, and decided to absorb supernatural abilities from every single supernatural creature. In Marvel, um, and he did it to the Ghost Rider, drained all the Hellfire and 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 um, demon power, and and Ghosty just collapsed into like a bag of bones on the floor. Um, that didn't last terribly long, but you, he used um, uh, a powerful mystical uh, demon forged weapon to do it. There's also a Garth Ennis story, which I think is BS, <laughs> where an assassin gets a bullet blessed by I think the Pope. <laughs> that sounds very Garth Ennis. Very, very Garth Ennis. Yeah. Uh, shoots Ghost Rider in the head and sends him back to hell, and that's that's kind of the end of that. I don't like that because it doesn't tally with anything else that's gone on with Ghost Rider. But it was Garth Ennis. So, how how many horrible slurs did Garth Ennis use in that comic? <laughs> no, it's right for Marvel. He can't. He can't. Do oh, that. right. Yeah. Of course. Never mind. I was thinking more of uh, Punisher. What slurs came up in... Oh! You know yes. what I mean. Go back to our Punisher episode. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. He slipped some of them past... Uh, although, that, But that was Marvel... Um, no, that was Knights. wasn't yeah. Max. It was Knights. Yeah, okay. Different time. Different time in the early 2000s. Still, I still, still bloody love Preacher, man. I think Preacher's a great comic series, even though there's some really questionable moments. I think Marvel Knights... Punisher is better, but that's just me. I, I, and, and I would like to agree with you, but I'm not allowed to not read allowed it. Not to allowed, read not allowed a to read a Marvel comic. Awful, man. Okay. You can read all the DC you want. I've got you a lovely DC comic for your birthday. You just told me how much you have fun you haven't reading now. Yeah. You're Rob, allowed the DC and not allowed the Marvel. Rob got me the Batman comic City of Bane. Great comic. Uh, you're an absolutely fine chap for getting that to me. It's a very thoughtful present, but, you know... No Marvel. No Marvel. (laughs) No Marvel. Anyway, the next day, Johnny wakes up in a hospital and makes an escape despite his injuries. On his way out, he bumps into Nadja, who swiftly heads the other way after seeing him. Elsewhere, Carrigan makes a call to Mistopheles in in the form of Rourke about what happened the previous night. Rourke is suddenly concerned when Carrigan mentions the appearance of Ghost Rider. Carrigan puts Danny on the phone, allowing Rourke to speak an incantation over the phone that causes Danny to scream. The incantation has stopped the child being tracked by Ghost Rider, and Rourke gives Carrigan instructions to bring the child to him. So, I refuse to believe Nicolas Cage acts. I just think he plays characters that are close to him and then he just <laughs> reads out the lines as himself. It... Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he thinks he is whatever character he's meant to be playing. I think that's very much um, what happens in 
in, in, in these movies. Because yeah. when you think of an actor, uh, traditionally, you think of someone who plays a role, someone who takes, you know, but then you have the more modern style of actor where it's just someone with some charisma who usually plays a character who's a lot like themselves. But Nicolas Cage is the king of that because almost every person I've seen him play is just him in some, you know, multiverse. <laughs> him in some multiverse. Yeah, I yeah, suppose the, so. The cage, the, the extended cage verse, if you will. Uh, also, have you seen? Uh, by the way, have you seen? If I don't know if anyone's out, uh, the best, the best kind of like Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movie is not any of either of the two Ghost Rider movies. It's Drive Angry. Have you seen that film? No. Is that any good? It's really fun. Um, <laughs> he plays a man who escapes from hell, <laughs> steals Satan's gun, the God Killer. Uh, to go and save his granddaughter um, and drives, like, across the country uh, very recklessly. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a, a really good, fun action movie with supernatural stuff going on and vengeance and, yeah. you know, uh, demonic creatures and angelic creatures and weapons. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. The, the last two Nicolas Cage films I saw before this, I did them in a double bill, was Mandy... And the color from out of space, both similar films. I don't know if you've oh, seen. Right. Not, not heard of either of them either. Actually, uh, Mandy is a psychedelic horror film, but is just um, amazing to look at. And the color out of space is a direct adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story, and is mm. exactly as... got no time for fascist Nazis. Okay, uh, well, that's another conversation to have. I know he's a bit of a, uh, but the story yeah. is. Hitler's paintings were pretty good, mate, but uh, <laughs> I'm not, not much time for him myself. It's just me. I I do like the word. You know who's really good at stand-up comedy? Bill Cosby. But uh, <laughs> I've not I've not listened to his stuff in quite a while. You know, just something off-putting about it all. H- <laughs> there are some good H.P. Lovecraft stories out there, even though yeah, there's some- and, an awful lot of geeks are really happy to carry on with him. I. Um, it's a problem in the fandom, bros. Appar- it's a problem in the brand fandom. Apparently, he regretted it later in his life. His views, his horrible white supremacist views later in life. But I will say there are some good stories there. But I'm not going to like praise the man and say he's amazing and a lovely person. I mean, hey, listen, we still celebrate Roll Doll Day every year, apparently. So yeah. some stuff flies under the radar, apparently. Anyway. That's, anyway, anyway, God, uh, drive angry. It's a lot of fun. Drive angry, uh, and if you can, those two films I mentioned, they're quite good. Um, this film, as I said before, this film has half the budget of the original, and this point, it really does show, doesn't it? In places, it really does show. I'm convinced they filmed I most of it on it, that same way. highway. In what? In like, can you be? Uh, can you cash your mind back and be any more specific about that? Because I can't conjure these moments myself. Well, you remember the first film. How you had like he was doing stunt racing in front of crowds and stuff, and you had yeah. all this, all these great little bits and bits in the city. Now they're doing okay. We're gonna do <laughs> little bits in places that aren't really that populated, so we don't need to pay so many people to close roads. Most of it's filmed on the say highway or off the or off the side of a highway. See, I prefer that. That's so much. Like I'm all not, the, I am not all saying the, all it's the bad. other stuffs. I, I get what you, I get what you mean. Yeah, it just. I suppose it didn't strike me as oh, they had to do this because they didn't have the money. All that stuff in the first movie to me feels like shoehorned in Fantastic Four 
things in a in a in a in a Ghost Rider movie. This felt much more like a Ghost Rider movie because everything was kind of smaller and it was a bit darker and it wasn't. I, don't, I mean, I mean, it was. It wasn't like lit with because it's in the middle of a cityscape, yeah, yeah. and uh, this just felt more like stuff that you could have got away with without people noticing. I think um, uh, it would have really worked as a TV show at this point. It would have, it would have been a brilliant like in the same style as the Defenders Netflix TV show. It could have worked so brilliantly like that. It's, maybe, yeah. I just feel it felt like too cheap to be a major blockbuster film. But too maybe too expensive to be a TV show for Netflix. It was mm. in that it was in that weird biting point. Uh, yeah, and, and I tell you, I, I'm going to go into it more into it later. I want, I really want them to bring him into the MCU. I really want to see that. So, I, as we said earlier, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm. I don't. I, I don't. I. I again. I think as a as a older, bitter, cynical Johnny Blaze. Yes. Uh, we can have a new, fresh, cool Ghost Rider. It can be uh, a cool woman. It can be a cool young guy. It can be Robbie Ray's. It could be Danny Ketch. It could be anybody. That's cool, man. Absolutely. Anyway, and then back- we have wild, crazy Nicolas Cage. Oh, God. What other kind of Nicolas Cage do you get? Um, what evil plans does Mephisto have in the comics, though? He's, he is basically the devil, isn't he? Not the biblical devil, but he's very happy for everyone to to assume that. Yes, he's the um, off-brand devil. No, it's just <laughs> that there is no Marvel doesn't, and they may have slipped recently. Marvel never did a so. It's only in very very recently that Marvel have had like angels knocking around. Um, Ooh, they hello. don't do that. Um, they just it's. It's the very strong Jewish foundations. There's not a lot of angels knocking around in Marvel. Are we talking um, uh, angels with wings or the uh, traditional angels, the be not afraid angels that are all over the internet right now? The biblically accurate angels. Either, either. I mean, whilst DC very much has like a biblical hell and heaven and all that kind of stuff, Marvel's like we've got Asgard and Valhalla and we've got Mount Olympus and. Um, we have Mephisto um, as this as this version mm. uh, of this this demonic kind of force, this other realm. Most uh, evil plans. He is directly responsible for three of the biggest and worst villains in Marvel. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to work out which way around to do him. Okay, he is essentially directly responsible for Apocalypse being Apocalypse. Oh um, my so word! Apocalypse is like the first mutant ever. Hmm. Um, back in the tenth century, Mephisto began as part of a very long plan, whispering into the powerful mutant's ear. Using shadows and hallucinations, and and, uh, I would, yeah, yes, it is, yeah. Using shadows and hallucinations and shape shifting and and lies to convince En Sabaneur that he was being mocked by false gods and that he should really, he should rise up and smite anyone that has power beside himself, and that brought. And Sabaneur into a confrontation with the first kind of group of superhumans that ever existed, and sat 
set Saberna down the very dark path that would lead to Apocalypse. Um, when Norman Osborn was about to go bankrupt um, and had heavy, heavy debts, um, a, a basically Mephisto in, in kind of a human guise approached him uh, as an acquisitions investor and offered Norman <laughs> Osborn a deal to make his financial life vastly successful in exchange, like, and the success would probably never end in exchange for the soul of his firstborn son, Harry Osborne. And Norman refuses the deal, but then Mephisto kind of negotiates and explains that if you accept the deal, you will never remember that you even did it. So you'll never have the guilt of having said, yes, you can have all this power all this wealth, all this success, and you will never have the guilt of knowing that you said yes to this and damned your son. And Norman hears that and immediately agrees. Oh, Um, horrible. So um, this sets Norman Osborn down this dark and twisted path um, of of becoming um, the Green Goblin. And as a result of this bargain... Harry Osborn suffers um, a life full of tragedy and and mental health problems and and eventually dies and it's just an awful Mephisto cursed life. I I like um, that because it's like is it just because of the direct actions yeah. of Harry Osborn? No, it's Faust. <laughs> who well, who knows? Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. And then we go to a woman called Cynthia. In uh, an Eastern European country, uh, she has faced constant persecution at the hands of the local baron and his men. And in an effort to punish them, she made a deal with Mephisto um, for power to take strike her enemies and take revenge in exchange for her eternal soul. Cynthia walks back into the village with this new deal and starts killing the baron's men. But unbeknownst to her, the magic she is using. Every time she kills one of the Baron's men is also killing every child in the village. Ooh, that's dark. Horrified at what she's done, she uh, renounces the power and she is stabbed to death by one of the guardsmen that she's fatally wounded. Mm. Um, She dies in the arms of her husband and makes her husband promise to never let their son, Victor, go down the same path. Her son Victor, Victor yeah. Von Doom. Um, I, I, made, I, so, did, I did. I did the sum there. I went. Oh, non-specific Eastern European country, Victor. Yeah, yeah I got it. As she it. as she dies, her soul is trapped in Mephisto's realm, where he tortures her for all eternity. Um, however, Victor Von Doom is given uh, the chance once a year to challenge. Um, for his mother's eternal soul to win it back, um, he has to f- compete against one of Mephisto's uh, champions once a year, every year, and he loses every single year, and it drives Victor Von Doom more and more insane. So those are three. <laughs> you know, wow. He, he's not exactly a take over the world kind of dude. He's a uh, 
I'm going to manipulate all these awful things to happen and he's, take everyone's souls and become vastly powerful. He's the pulling the wings off a fly guy, isn't he? That's who. That's what he is. He wants. He revels in people's suffering. Yeah, there's that, but it's also direct conflict is stupid. Yeah. He is the lord of lies. He is not the lord of swords and stabbies and bombs and guns. There's no point doing any of that when he can whisper in your best friend's ear and have your best friend stab you from behind when you're not feeling it because he wants your wife or your throne or whatever. He's like Loki, but actually threatening. He is possibly Loki's father. Oh, boy. Um, in many texts... Loki's father is yes, uh, the Lord of the the, the 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 Loki's father is the 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 devil, the demon, yeah, and that has ambiguity in Marvel universe as well. Is that may or may not be the case? Um, yeah, that's really good. I like that. Outside the hospital, Johnny tails Nadja, who is finding a car to steal. As soon as Nadja spots Johnny sneaking up behind her, she pulls out a gun and asks if the devil owns him and if she can trust him. While Johnny can't say if she can't, could trust him, he can, he can help her try and find Danny, despite being blocked from his homie senses. As they drive, Nadja explains Danny and her previous relationship with Carrigan. Nadja reveals that during a job gone bad for Carrigan, Nadja lay dying and was visited by Rook who promised to save her life in return for her child, who would grow up to become a direct vessel for Rook, potentially giving him limitless power in the mortal world. I don't know how you felt about this in the film, the direction they took, but the storytelling graphics were a bit much, I felt. How do you mean the storytelling graphics? Okay, you know when they're explaining things and it cuts away to, and it's almost like a high-tech PowerPoint presentation. Uh, they, They do this several times. Where, they, where they're just explaining something the character's explaining through visual means. It just feels a bit odd. It was meant to be kind of like the visual representation of their like memories or a, yeah. or a kind of a flashback thing. Yeah. I, it felt a bit in your face at times. It was interesting at first, but it, was, it got very like, okay, I get it, I get it. I think they were concerned that this was a very talky movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, like it's an awful lot of exposition yeah. and chat. And that they wanted to do something a bit more visual, and flashbacks are a bit crap and a bit hard to do. And yeah, do you know what? It, I, it to me, it felt like the loading screen of video games, where they do the exposition in the loading screen with all the fancy graphics, uh, uh, just so you know they have an excuse to do the story. They do that right. in a lot of Call of Duty games, where as the levels loading, they they brief you in uh, with all this stuff. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mind it because it wasn't text on the screen. Oh god, text on the text on the screen is just I think that was yeah, the Yeah, but fir- it wasn't that. There wasn't text on the screen. The Eternals did that. And that that that, that angered no, me that, at first. Okay. I don't want to get into the Eternals with anybody really. I know. It's a pretty pretty great movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I I'm looking um, forward to, ha- to 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 tackling it and Shang-Chi. Uh There's no at no stage in this movie have they I don't unless I missed it. Do they address that Carrigan is clearly Danny's father. Yeah. But they don't they don't talk about it. I think it's supposed so to I be So I don't hinted. know what I don't but it but it never it's not a plot point. It's not revealed later. 
So it's not being hidden from us. It's just that's clearly what they meant us. That's clearly what they meant, yeah. but they never got to talking about it. It's just the part where you see if only there was a bit of dialogue that explained this. They also do a pretty terrible job of yeah. of reinforcing that, like the devil. I don't know why they keep calling it Rourke and not like. Even if they called him Mistopheles the whole way through, or the devil, that would be so much better than Rourke. They don't do a very good job of getting getting across to you that did I call him? This is really bad. If 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 the devil does this, he's going to he's going to be born reborn into Danny's body and walk the earth, and that's going to be horrible. Yeah, they don't do a good enough job of doing that. They, it, they don't it, explain what like what's the difference between what he can do now and what he could do if he had Danny's body. I thought, and they don't kind of go back to it and re-emphasize. I thought exactly he, same Danny's thing. body is going yeah. to live in it. I'm like, yeah, I don't get he, it. He's got a body right now. Also, did I say Mistopheles earlier or Mephisto? When? Earlier, because I, I, I keep, for some reason, the autocorrect on my mind, when I see Mephistopheles, I go, Mephisto. And I don't know where I've got Mephisto. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I may have tinkered with some of them as well because I think Mr. Mestafophilus is, is, is I don't recognize it as a name and it's as in it's not a Marvel name and it's a mouthful that I don't like. So yeah, I may have I may have corrected some things to Mephisto. Mr. Hippopotamus. Um yeah. <laughs> It sounds incredibly good. <laughs> what? The ultimate evil in the Marvel universe, Mr. Hippopotamus. <laughs> Mr. Hippopotamus. Uh Mistopheles just sounds Greek anyway, Mr. Hippopotamus sounds even more Greek. Uh, also, we know uh, he becomes Ghost Rider in the comics, but is there anything special about Danny's family and his birth? Oish, yeah, strap in. Here, um, we, here we go. This is what we all want. So they decided in the 90s to change this idea of a cursed Matt. Like, so Johnny Blaze is cursed and has a demon living inside of him. And they decided to, down the line, as the Ghost Rider series went on, to change that. So it was always said that Ghost Rider didn't... He had the spirit of vengeance living inside of him, not a particular demon, right? Mm. And they didn't know it was a mystery as to... It was a big, long-running mystery as to wit, what is living inside of Danny Ketch? What is this thing? Why was it attached to the petrol cap of a of a motorbike? Like, And why is it not as kind of evil as the one that was living in Johnny Blaze? They eventually have, like, Doctor Strange comes in and starts helping out to, to work out what's going on. Um, and it's revealed that the Danny, Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider spirit is actually the spirit of his 17th century ancestor, Noble Cain. Uh, Noble Kale, sorry. Um, and so we see the story of Ghost Rider kind of beginning about 20,000 years ago when uh, a group of immortals, kind of like almost a, a sect of immortals known as the Blood, ally themselves with these beings called the Spirits of Vengeance, mm. who are good but powerful and look evil. Like They look like demon-y type ghost things, right? And they are in a war against a soul-stealing demon. To win the war, the, 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 the Blood, the immortals, create... Uh, a medallion of power which houses the various spirits of vengeance within it but also a portion of the evil demon they're trying to fight also got wrapped up and captured in that medallion 
Um, and that led to the Immortals going, whoa, 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 this medallion of power is far too powerful, and it's got a bit of the demon in it, this is a bad deal, and they they break the medallion up into shards, and it is said it is placed in the spiritual bloodline of two families. So it's not like hanging around their necks, it's kind of part of their spirit. Mm. Then, fast forward to the 17th century, there's like a in the in a kind of the Puritan age. There's a, a a youngster called Noble Kale. He's the latest of the line of the Kales that have a part of this this power in them, um, or this attachment to the spirits of vengeance in them. His father, Pastor Kale, um, is a pious man in public, but a servant of Mephisto, um, who sells Noble's soul to the devil. Mephisto. Uh, in turn transforms Noble into his ghost rider and sets him loose throughout uh, America claiming the souls of witches and witch hunters alike burning a trail Um, Pastor Kale also takes Noble's child his grandson, his child Noble's child and Pastor Kale's grandchild and murders him sacrifices him to gain more power Um, Noble is so haunted by Everything he does to do is Ghost Rider and all and his death of his child that he commits suicide. Um, but when Mephisto arrives to claim Noble's soul, heaven intervenes. An angel called Uriel steps in and says that no, Noble is a no, Noble belongs to heaven, not to hell. And a compromise is agreed. His soul goes neither heaven nor hell, is consigned to a kind of a limbo, a void. Um, and and can be summoned through this medallion of power by his descendants in 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 times of need, and that medallion is what we see on the gas cap of the um, the Japanese superbike. And because Danny Ketch is a is a is a di- direct descendant, he is able to summon this spirit to kind of turn him into a modern ghost rider. So it's it's this kind of reframing. Oh, he doesn't suddenly for some reason in the nineties. No, he doesn't have a demon inside him. It's a good magic creature that has a twisted backstory and lives inside of him. It, not a demon for some reason. It's complicated. It's a little more complicated, but a bit more satisfying as a backstory, isn't it? I disagree. Okay. To me, and I adore this character, mm. and I adore the look and the design. I love Johnny Blaze, but I love all of it. I this was the I I thought this was needless and pointless. This is overwriting. This is trying to they, they start and they keep doing it. And honestly, I can't really get on with the modern Ghost Rider stuff. <laughs> they have a desperate need to keep expanding and expanding and expanding this kind of self mythology and making it more dense and more complicated, involving more things. And I don't get it. A dude with a demon living inside of him who turns into the Ghost Rider is freaking cool. (laughs) It's awesome. It's badass. It works. I don't mind it. It's a slightly more benign demon. He does kind of more good stuff. 
it's cool. I like it. They fight vampires. They fight demons. The the fact that the demon is chained to a human soul means there's a lot of push and pull and dichotomy. And the demon perhaps wants to be very violent, but Danny Ketch, his soul brings it. Let's, it works, man. I don't get all this other stuff. And they're not done, and there's more that they do, and it's weird. I like weird. I like weird Elsewhere, Danny causes Carrigan's car to crash, allowing him to escape. As Carrigan leaves the car to chase Danny, he leaves one of his men to die as the car explodes. While running down to a river, Danny breaks his ankle and is recaptured before Carrigan acquires a van off an innocent couple. As Nadia and Johnny drive down the dark highway, Johnny warns her that the demon inside of him is a beast driven by a hunger for the guilty and it won't be able to tell the difference between Carrigan and her. At an underground fighting arena, Nadia and Johnny corner a contact of Carrigan's and interrogate him. However, as Johnny questions further, he struggles to hold back the demon within, which frightens the contact enough to give them the information that he wants. Just as the frightened man tells them of Carrigan's location, some henchmen arrive, forcing Johnny and Nadia to escape, with Blaze speeding off to find Carrigan. The interrogation acting is peak cage. I think we can both agree with that. <laughs> peak cage. Peak cage. It's like there is. I. I that's it. That 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 that's that's Nicholas Cage. It's peak. Peak cage sounds like something he'd name his own child as well. Oh god, does he have peak cage? Does he have kids? Yeah, he called one of them Kal El. Uh... I'm not joking. He one of his children is called Kal El Cage. That sounds like something Seinfeld would do. <laughs> also uh the uh, face morphing riding scene i think we need to talk about that you know when he's riding off right after that bit and he's sort of face is morphing into a skull a bit it's yeah. like was that meant to be scary or funny i don't think either i don't think it was meant to be, it was meant to be funny i don't think it was meant to be scary but, i think it was just showing the stuff that happened but it's Nicolas Cage. You can't help but laugh when these kind of things happen to him. I don't think Hollywood, I, certainly at the time, yeah. I don't think they had an awareness of how his over-the-topness was starting to be viewed by the public. <laughs> I don't think any, and, and Nicolas Cage certainly doesn't, I don't think any of this was made with kind of like an ironic thing of it's dead funny because it's Nicolas Cage and he's mental. No, no, no. I, I think, I, uh, I don't know. When, when did that whole thing come in where we all viewed Nicolas Cage as this crazy guy who stars in way too many films? Well, not, no, it's two parts, two parts. It was not, it was not stars in too many films until he had, I think, some tax problems, a bit yeah. like Wesley Snipes, yeah. and he had to suddenly start making a dozen movies a year because <laughs> the IRS was garnishing his salary. Will? Yeah, yes. Because the IRS was garnishing his salary. Huh? I'm teeing you up for a classic Simpsons line. I, I remember the episode where the... Garnishing where the- my salary? What are you even saying? Yeah, as a, oh, as a crust of the, I know it's a crust what of the, use. What what's the use if you can't hit them on demand? Yeah, but if you're going to quote Krusty the Clown, do something memorable. Like what the hell was that? How would that relate to what I'm talking about? Anyway, um, I appreciate it. Crazy, I think crazy performance is face off. I think that's the start oh, of everyone nice. going, "Wow." Dry hump in the air. I could eat a peach for hours. 
like all of that. Did, did you know I when I watched Face Off uh, within the I think it was within the last ten years I watched it for the first time, and it's that bit where he's in the choir and he does that face, that face. Yep. And it's like I I had to pause the film because I was laughing too hard. It was just. I think I think that's the beginning of it. Yeah. It's like. What a gift. What a gift that man is. Was <laughs> 100%. 100%. 100%. it? Um, Red Letter Media, the film reviewers, uh, they, they quoted as saying, he's a national treasure. That man is a national treasure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the new one where he plays himself. Yes, I saw the trailer for that. That looks actually quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't want Nicolas Cage to have any self-awareness. I think... He does. He does now. If he's doing a movie where he plays himself, he does. Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping he doesn't because part of me thinks the moment he gets self-awareness, the spell is broken and we don't find him funny anymore. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. It looks like a good film. I forgot the name of what it was, but he plays himself. So, in the comic books, is the Ghost Rider a hungry evil spirit like this? Does he go after liars the same after murderers? Because that's a bit... It's weird, isn't it? It's um, weird. No, not no. Um, I mean, definitely not to begin with. So in yeah. in in the so when Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider, when he first comes around, he doesn't become a different. It's not. There's no indication that there's a demon. <laughs> he just. I mean, there is a demon because they say you've cursed to have a demon, but. The demon doesn't have a mind of its own or a personality. That's just what Johnny Blaze looks like when he becomes Ghost Rider. Okay. It's just it, like what he looks like. And he's cursed to keep turning into it. But he's a, he's a full superhero that fights bad guys. He's on a superhero team. They're called the Champions, and they're awesome. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Champions are a team made up of, well... Let's have the rundown. Okay, is it okay? The champions are Ghost Rider. Start with Ghost Rider. Yeah, Ghost Rider. Is it? It's Hercules. Hercules, the Greek god Hercules, the Greek god natural Her- companion of Ghost Rider. Uh, and then who else would you join with Ghost Rider and Hercules? Is it Black Widow? Black Widow, a spy. That works. Yeah, yeah perfect sense. Two mystic creatures and a, and a spy. And then you need two more, probably from an existing super team. War Machine. No, two 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 people from the X Men. Oh God, um, Wolverine. No, it's Iceman and Angel. It makes perfect sense to have those characters together in living in Los Angeles. I, I think that we've mentioned it before. There's an upcoming video game from the same people who made XCOM called Midnight Suns, and I think Ghost Rider's in that. Well, yeah, because it's Midnight Suns, baby. I don't know. Uh, I'm not allowed to read Marvel comics because done you're a bonus horrible. Episode. We've we've talked about the Midnight Suns in a bonus episode. We'll talk about it a little bit later on. Mm. Um, the Midnight Suns are Morbius, the living vampire. Mm. We won't ever see Do- in the MCU for quite some time. But the movie's coming out this year. Yeah, but that's not MCU, is it? No. No, nope. that we will see Morbius later this year and do an episode on it. It'll we'll be see great. Jared Leto play bloody Morpheus. Anyway, Midnight Suns, Blade, Morbius, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, uh, Doctor Strange is in there a little bit as well. Cool. Um, and it was so 
90s Danny Ketch Ghost Rider is such a huge popular it's so popular it sells so many copies that it relaunches all of Marvel's supernatural comics they go <laughs> if this works let's do uh let's take our old vampire characters from from the Dracula comic book, let's relaunch them. Let's relaunch Doctor Strange. Let's bring Morbius back. And then they they have this whole imprint of like six or seven comics. So it's like its own version of the X, like the X Men comics. is like six or seven of them, and it's like the X Men, and they have their own se- section of the Marvel universe, and they do all their own stuff, and everyone leaves them alone. Danny Ketch was so popular. They had exactly that with the with the supernatural characters. The kind of Clive Barker, Stephen King themed almost kind of super horror characters. Yeah, and it was the the imprint was called the Midnight Suns. And every uh six to twelve months they'd all team up and have one storyline together. It was really cool. I, I think I saw a trailer for the Midnight Suns game and Wolverines in it for some reason. Yeah that sucks. I'm sorry but that sucks. I, I, I so yeah anyway. To begin with there's not this evil, hungry spirit. It's just Johnny Blaze with a skull that's on fire. Um, by once we get the second volume of Ghost Rider, kind of uh, a little bit into that, the ghost, the Ghost Rider starts to demonstrate a different personality from Johnny Blaze's. And after several years, it's confirmed that it's because Ghost Rider is a a different entity. It's a demon a rival of Mephisto's who was like uh, shackled to a human and forced into service and all that kind of stuff. And at that point, Johnny Blaze kind of almost became like a Hulk thing. A normal guy who becomes this powerful monster character and has to kind of keep going on the run and everything. Um, But he's still not like attacking innocent people for jaywalking or like going through a red light like they intimate here um he only ever goes with the bad guys danny ketch in the 90s he goes at the bad guys hard <laughs> he is full-on a violent anti-hero that will kill and maim truly bad dudes because he's very much in the style of punisher yeah uh Cable, Wolverine, and the and the and the action anti-heroes of 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 the eighties and nineties, but he never went after someone who did something small like lying. Like Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider, literally to begin with, was summoned by the spilling of innocent blood. So he's not roaming the streets looking for people who have dropped a bit of litter. Um, Why do you think they did this in the film? Then why do you think they did this? Was it to add like that element of oh, can you trust him? Can you not? He, he, is he so troubled? Yeah, I think it. I think it's to kind of have this thing of Ghost Rider is a demon mm. and then almost an animal acting off instinct. So it's trying to. It's very much almost like a werewolf kind of deal. Yeah. Um, they had some of that in the first one as well. And once once the the first movie comes out. They shift, uh, they shift the comics around to be a little bit more like the the, the movie. As they so do, the, the focus is shifted back to Johnny Blaze and uh, Ghost Rider is a bit more of a a wild card kind of monster demon thing. I, there may be some in, some some glaring instances beyond uh, beyond the nineties where it does happen a little bit like this movie, but I'd imagine they were they were kind of influenced by the first movie, if that's the case. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Okay, 
At a mine, Carrigan meets with an arms dealer selling some expensive rocket launchers in a nearby hut. That that that's how we we just, just circle back. That's that should have been the prime evidence in your they haven't got a lot of money in this movie. At a mine in a quarry because that's classic classic Doctor Who that yeah. is. Where does this episode take place? In a quarry. <laughs> a, a, fr- a friend of mine used to say that because he used to watch um, Blake 7 and all those old 70s, 80s British sci-fi shows. They said, hey, do you need to make? Do you need to film somewhere that looks like an alien planet? Just film it in a quarry in Wales, change the colour slightly, and it's, boom, alien planet. Yep, 100%. 100%, 100% yeah. In the nearby hut, Danny is freed by Nadja, but the bigger of Carrigan's henchmen takes her on. But not before he hears the familiar sound of Ghost Rider's Hellbike. The demonic noise distracts the guard, allowing Nadja to pull out a gun and shoot him dead. Outside, everyone looks in shock as Ghost Rider approaches, but Carrigan, taking no chances, grabs one of the rocket launchers and fires it at the fiery demon. As Ghost Rider is seemingly obliterated in the explosion, Carrigan and the arms dealer cheer, but their faces collectively drop as they see Ghost Rider standing in the fire, completely unscathed. In a rage, Ghost Rider runs at the men and uses his flaming chains to obliterate them. Carrigan steps up and uses another rocket to launch Ghost Rider into the air and back down to Earth again as the demon staggers out of of a crater and stumbles towards the mining machine. The mercenaries open fire, but with little effect. Ghost Rider climbs up into the control room of a mining machine and possesses it, turning it into a tower, fiery, sorry, towering, fiery instrument of death, providing enough destruction and distraction to allow (laughs) Naja and Danny to escape. Did you see what I did there? Turning it into a tower. Fiery! A tower off. So is, is, is this is one of my notes. Get, I thought you were laughing at the fact I did wordplay with destruction and distraction because I thought that was quite some good wordplay there. Nah. I was just laughing at a minor minor error on your part. It was very funny. Do you like ballet, Rob? No, but I like seeing men trip up. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, I'm going to be a bit of a worrying geek here. Video game note. That's the FGM 148 Javelin as seen in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I will always remember my first experience using that rocket launcher. I know what you're thinking, Rob. You're going, mate, it's a rocket launcher. Not true. It's a special kind of rocket launcher that jets off into the sky and then back down on someone. It's insane. Or you shoot it shoot it up. No, you aim it at them. And what the rocket does right. is it, fi- it pops out the end fi- and then immediately guides upwards into the sky right. and downwards. And then it's, it's insane. It's like, why? I, I think it's... You, 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 I see it being used and I go, ah... Oh, that's really cool. And then I think, what situation are they trying to do that for? What situation merits a rocket launcher where you need to do that? Because you have to track it head on first. You have to actually look at the up target first. If it was behind a hill or something and you got someone else to, you know, use a laser to point it, it makes sense. But this is just like, this is just fancy. This is just needless fanciness. <laughs> I'm having a conversation myself. This is great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm immediately suspicious of people who know a lot and like weapons. I'm just immediately... I, anyone with any kind of military bent, I'm just... I come from a military family. I like yeah, shooting games that's and why I play I've never airsoft. really trusted you. That's why I'm mainly very <laughs> suspicious of what you're going to do one day. 
But it wasn't. It wasn't to the point I liked HP Lovecraft. It was the point I started talking about crazy rocket launch. No, we all like stories about big monsters. Yeah, it's, written by daft racists. Knowing names of rocket launchers and and saying I have a replica of that machine gun at home. Those are the red flags, brother. <laughs> this is the kind of shame the airsofting community has to put up with every day, as they should. <laughs> Stop cosplaying as, you know. The military. Stop it. <laughs> someone, uh, I, I once had an argument with someone who said it was, they said, it's basically LARPing, isn't it? Well, it's not LARPing that I had to apologise. Way more respect for LARPing. Yeah. Way more respect for LARPing. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy. Games. Having a good old time. What did you do today? We pretended to be an army and we pretended to shoot and kill people. We still have a great... Was there any magic involved? No. No. The, no. the magic, the magic is the friend the magic of along the, the magic way. of pretending to murder at the command of some faceless organisation. That's what that was the magic for us today. Followed orders all day. It was brilliant. Sometimes I give orders, Rob. Sometimes I give orders. <laughs> also, uh, one thing uh, I noticed, some of the, the scenes in this film are a bit cartoony at times, aren't they? How do you mean? Over-the-top, ridiculous, especially when he flies up into the air with a rocket launcher. It felt like a cartoon. Yeah, I think a lot of the reactions and things around, like the action scenes themselves weren't that bad, but I think some of the reactions around the action scenes didn't help at all. Well, like the, whoa! There's a bit of that going on, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, In an otherwise quite dark movie, much darker than the first one. <laughs> Uh-oh! Yeah, I, I, I get It that. wasn't quite that bad, but it wasn't far off. Yeah. It's, it, it's when you get into the tropey area of things and you go like, hey, we need him to shock people who are bad what do the bad people do whoa and that's what we need also um i i i have a feeling the moment i say this you're going to tell me why and i'm going to feel stupid he had a perfect chance to kill carrigan but didn't i think i missed something when was that he picked him up he throttled him ghost rider picked up carrigan and was like you know he had the perfect chance to kill him didn't kill him what did he do Throws him, throws him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think I can remember that. No, I've got no idea. I was saying, I, no idea. This, this this guy's clearly one. He's clearly evil, and two, he's causing you a lot of bother. You know, you you you've 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 done much worse to people who've done much less. Allegedly, you 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 try and kill people who tell lies. Yeah, this guy, he's told some porkies. He's a bad man. Okay, so in the Marvel comics, can Ghost Rider possess other machines like what he did to this mining thing? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. get yeah. out of here. He can't. Ghost, the Ghost Riders can turn any vehicle, like any machinery vehicle, into their, their hell ride. Mm. Um, and they can control it any way they want. Um, so yeah, this 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 machine which moves could very easily be part of that. But they can. Uh, Blaze is one of those seventies evil can evil bikes. Danny has the Japanese superbike. Um, they can summon it and they can make it go and do stuff without them being on it. Um, they can control it like mentally. Um, in more recent years, Marvel have, have revealed that there's been dozens of different Ghost Riders throughout the ages. Something else that completely sucks. Um, <laughs> and we've seen that some of these ancient Ghost Riders have used animals as their ride. So one turned like a giant, like a shark, into like a hell shark and rode that. 
Um, and the the first Ghost Rider was like a prehistoric Ghost Rider, and he was riding around the top a flaming woolly mammoth. Surely a flaming woolly mammoth would just burn off all the wool. It would just be a... No, I'm not going to get into this. Help? I think it's a skeleton thing. I, oh, that, that, that's okay. Then, then it's just a mammoth, mate. Um, J- Johnny Blaze can also create a hell cycle out of thin air, out of just hellfire that he controls. Okay. So he doesn't actually need a bike, but he's not. Doesn't he's? Ne- I think he's only done that like twice. It's not like a thing he keeps doing. Um, but yes, he could very easily possess something like that. Okay, okay, okay. I'll put it to you. If he can do that, why does he choose a bike and not just go into an Air Force base and steal like a, an F-35 jet or something? Well, what would he do with an F-45 jet? 35. They haven't made the 40. No, what would he do with a jet? He'd get to evil faster. <laughs> How do you manoeuvre when you're chasing a single person? Okay. Through some streets and into a bar. I, How does a jet help you? I really wanted to say, hopefully he has the kind of jet with VTOL where he can just hover. This, I, honestly, we need a lot less of this in this episode. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if there's any military listening fans out there, but I don't think you're a big enough community for us to be servicing the way we have today. Okay, okay. I, I was, I, that was a genuine question. It, it went to a deep place, but I'll just continue. No, I know it was a genuine question. It's a genuine question about another bit of specific military gubbins. Yeah, but I, it's just like, it just makes me think, like, you could get the job done if you just stole a helicopter or something. A hell, a hell, a hell helicopter! Hey, oh! You saved it. You've redeemed yourself. Let's move on. Spirit of vengeance <laughs> is within me. Uh, Ghost Rider justified that whole bit there. There we go. We found the punchline in the end. Ghost Rider catches up to Nadja and Danny escaping in a truck, tearing Nadja out from the vehicle and is about to swallow her soul before being ordered to stop by Danny, who seems to have some power over the demon. The boy's power also turns Johnny back into his human form. The next day, Johnny talks with Nadja and Danny, who's managed to heal his broken ankle. They need to take the boy to a safe place and get in contact with Moreau. At the mine, Rourke finds the mortally wounded Carrigan trapped under rubble. Using his powers, Rourke transforms Carrigan into a demon and names him Blackout. This new monster is able to decay anything just by touching it. With his newfound powers, Blackout is yet again ordered to find the boy. Is there anything? Spe- is there any special relationship between Danny and Johnny Blaze in the comics? Like, does Danny actually have power over Johnny like this? No, no. Um, I thought not. As we as we kind of discussed, Johnny chases after Danny to hunt him down, thinking he's got the same demon inside of him. He wants to stop it, thinking he'd already destroyed it and it was back, and then becomes like his his like partner. And his kind of mentor a little bit as well. Um, and they they ride together. Right. Ride our health cycles together. And then it's later revealed that Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch are, and this sucks as well, long lost brothers. Yeah, it is. There's the rub. So they were both directly related to Noble Kale, <laughs> separated at birth by that immortal cult that didn't want either one of them drawing on the spirits of vengeance and getting drawn into being 
used by Mephisto as as a Ghost Rider, but Mephisto's manipulations then sort of like made it made it happen twice. Um, so yeah, I really really hated that. Yeah. Instead of it, it, so now it's it was always destined to happen. It was always destined to meant to be and destined to be and all that. It's, I think it absolutely sucks. See, while I I agree with like with that. I still like the idea of, uh, hey, we've got Danny Ketch, a new version of the Ghost Rider. Let's, let's, let's write up a bit more about him. I get that. But then combining it with this kind of muddies up the whole thing. Because you need to have one who's got the simple plot and one who's got the more written up plot, if that makes sense. It's just, it's just, it's just a soap opera stupid thing of coincidence. We don't... They, yeah, why do they have yeah. to be connected and related and all of that? It was perfectly good and workable, and it was really good when they were just partners and there was a little bit of animosity between Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider, but he liked Danny. They, uh, it was just... just didn't work. It was dumb. As Nadia drives Johnny and Danny to the monastery... Moreau rides up to their truck and joins them on the journey on the rest of their journey, unaware that Blackout is hot on their trail. At the monastery, they are greeted by the monk Methodius, who will take the boy and his mother away to a safe place where even Johnny can't reach them. In the meantime, Moreau takes Johnny to an ancient wine cellar and explains that the Ghost Rider is the, twi- is the twisted and demented incarnation of the Spirit of Justice, Zarathos, after being captured, tortured, and driven insane in hell. Moreau tells Johnny that he can exorcise the spirit if Johnny tells a secret only he knows. Johnny confesses that his deal with Rook was a... What a silly, silly thing that is needed. You must... Whisper- that's like... That's like something that was come up with at a... You know, a fourteen-year-old sleepover. <laughs> you must tell. You must whisper a sweet oh, little secret in my how ear. How weird! Yeah. And it, what does that do? That is really. Yeah, it. No, I, I can't even argue for it. I could try and argue logistically, like, oh, it shows vulnerability and trustworthiness, but it's like, no, that's still lame. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Johnny confesses that his deal with Rook was a selfish one. His father had accepted his cancer and was ready to die, which Johnny could not accept. Moreau exercises the spirit, and Johnny becomes human again. Okay, uh, another star. We've got Christopher Lambert! Christopher Lam- Lambert! So good. The Lambinator. He's barely in anything these days, is he? I don't see him in anything. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because you know there's a massive gap in the market for a '80s French-speaking sort of hero. Was was like Mortal Kombat the last the last kind of movies that he was? You know, the first one was a big movie. Was that the last of him being uh, you know a star of some kind in a major movie? I think he popped up in he popped up in another film that was that was a big film with with an ensemble cast and he popped up randomly and i'm trying to remember which film it was but yeah pretty much presumably he's in one of the expendables um i think they got jean claude van damme instead well uh, yeah instead <laughs> we need a french speaking guy from the 80s yeah okay yeah Man, the Highlander is here, the Highlander. Also, uh, hooray uh, for more Nick Cage going mad. That's what we always need. 
in a Nick Cage movie, yeah, you're contractually obliged to have four scenes. Four scenes of him going yeah. mad. Four mad scenes, yeah. Also, Spirits of Justice Zarathos is not something we heard about in the first Ghost Rider film, because obviously they're, you know, exploring a bit. Was this invented for the sequel, or was it actually something from the comics? It's definitely from the comics. Zarathos is the spirit, is the demon that lives inside of Johnny Blaze. Okay. Um, it is not a spirit of justice. Um, it is the spirit of... Well, no, it's not the spirit of justice, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an ancient demonic being, possibly an old god. Okay. Um, and after gaining a, quite a big power base, um, worshippers and all that sort of stuff, Zarathos challenged Mephisto for ownership of hell. You did it again. What did I do again? Mephisto, not Mephistopheles. Because that's his name. I thought it was Mephistopheles. Not in Marvel Comics, no, it's Mephisto. Oh, God. Mephistopheles is just what they say in these movies. Sorry, I, I, I now realise why I said that. It's, never mind, I totally get what happened <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. Mephisto. Um, yeah, uh, so Mephisto uh, defeated him and then basically kind of trapped him and kept him as like a pet and a servant and an underling for, for eons and eons. Um, and on occasion, for a lark... Mephisto would forcibly graft and bond Zarathos to a mortal soul mm. um, to create a agent on Earth that uh, Mephisto could control. And one of these bondings was to Johnny Blaze, turning him to the Ghost Rider. Um, and yeah, he, he, he... So that is the demon that was inside... Johnny Blaze. Eventually, uh, Johnny Blaze found a way of exercising him, getting the demon out of him, and he beat the demon and trapped Zarathos inside uh, a relic called the Soul Chamber, which ended Johnny Blaze's curse. And this is the demon that Johnny Blaze thought was back when he saw Danny Ketch as the new Ghost Rider, and he wanted to make sure that that evil demon was stopped. But Zarathos is not the spirit that is inside of Danny Ketch. As we learn, it was the the the, the soul of Noble Kale. And we talked about the ancient sect of immortals that were at war with an evil demon, which is why they bounded the spirits of vengeance together and made the amulet of power. Well, that evil demon that they were at war with was Zarathos. So it's all all the Ghost Riders are connected to Zarathos in one way or another. Okay, that makes perfect sense logistically. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's mad. Zarathos <laughs> is the root of the Ghost Rider. That's all I heard. Yeah. Everything else was just fluff. With his curse lifted, Johnny runs to find Danny, happy that he's no longer a danger. But he is captured by Methodius and his monks, alongside Moreau and Nadia. The head monk believes the boy will never be safe from the influence of evil and must die. Outside, Methodius prepares to behead Danny at an altar. But before he can swing down his blade, Blackout intervenes, decaying the monks and recapturing Danny. Even though in this film, the CGI is a bit ropey in places, I genuinely love the, the decay effects they used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have a I think as a ten year old me would have been a bit freaked out. I used to have a big fear of people rotting. On no, I I I one hundred percent agree with that. I think that's a a very 
grotesque thing. It's very grotesque. It's, um, it's like whenever they found a, 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 a decomposed body, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't watch that, yeah. I can't watch that. Uh, it was only through uh, playing through the Resident Evil games and other zombie stuff that I could get through my fear. Of rotting well, body. Well, well done. Well done. Well done, Will. That's a, that's another fear that's logistically happening in the real world or whatever. <laughs> also, absolutely not surprised I haven't seen uh, John Whitworth, who played uh, Co- Carrigan. Whoa, what happened there? <laughs> I said, I knew he went Corrigan. <laughs> were you, what were you thinking about? <laughs> Corrigan. Carrigan. Right. He played right, Carrigan. Okay. What? 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 Why you? Why would you? I thought you were laughing at me saying Corrigan. Oh, I heard you say cock. <laughs> That's what I heard you say. John Whitworth, who played cock. <laughs> That's what happens when you stop at that bit and start another C sounding word. Cock, Carrigan. That's exactly. Carrigan. The, the spirit of vengeance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to look up what else he's been in, and he's been in barely anything else that's worth mentioning. I say your next bit, and then I'll correct you. I, no, 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 no. He barely brings anything to the role here. I agree with that. However, he's in one of the greatest 90s films of all time. He is AJ, the, one of the leads in Empire Records. Empire Records is a life-changing movie for so many of us born in the 80s and watching movies in the 90s. Empire Records is a golden, golden movie. It will not be good for anybody who tries to watch it now. He didn't grow up and watch it <laughs> at a certain age. It will suck. You won't, Well, not suck, but you just won't get it. But Empire Records, oh my God, I watch it every year. It still makes me feel like a kid. Uh, lived, I lived. I wanted to marry Liv Tyler in that movie. It's just an incredible. What kind of movie is it? It's like a nineties teen kind of uh, indie. Is it was a huge. It was a monumental flop at the box office. <laughs> it's it's about a bunch of misfits that all work at a, a, a record company called Empire a Record Company, yeah, a record yeah. store called Empire Records, and it's one day. And I love those indie movies that were like yeah. that. Um, well, like the original Clerks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Mole Rats as well to a certain extent. It's 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 all just like that, and it's, it's full of great eighties music. And just weird stuff, and it's very quotable. And if you were a kid in the nineties, I guess, yeah. And he's AJ. He's he's the the lead kind of like the guy, and you kind of want, yeah. He's just that, yeah. I it it sounds like a film I probably enjoy. Don't worry. Anyway, maybe maybe yeah. Blackout brings Danny all the way to Turkey to meet Rook. It is all he- the way to Turkey. Well, they're, they're somewhere in a non-specified part. Oh, no, it's Romania, isn't it? They're in Romania. Ah, yeah, I think so. I have to look at a map now, but yeah, I'm sure it's totally possible. He takes him all the way to Turkey to meet Rourke. It is here that the ritual will take place. Back at the monastery, Moreau leads Nadja and Johnny to the impressive armory, tooling up to face Rourke. The three arrive at the temple ruins in Turkey just in time to see various important figures arriving to witness the ritual. Inside, in an amphitheatre, Rook brings out Danny in front of a hooded audience. As night falls, Nadia, in a brief emotional moment, tells Johnny that Danny was the one good thing that happened to her. As the ritual gets underway, Moreau and Johnny sneak in, while Nadia hands back with a sniper rifle, picking off guards. Finding his way into the amphitheatre, 
Johnny witnesses the spirit of Rourke slowly worm towards Danny. But before the ritual can complete, Moreau bursts in, gunning down the audience in a fury. Johnny tries to snap Danny out of the ritual chance, but is thrown off the stage by Rourke. As Moreau's killing spree continues, he's suddenly grabbed by Blackout, who starts to decay him. Before he becomes a withered husk, Moreau uses last ounce of energy to deliver a powerful headbutt against Blackout. So has Danny Ketch ever been used for evil like this in the comics? Yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> more modern developments I wasn't a big fan of, but yeah. yes, in, in recent years... Um, Danny had kind of been driven mad by he got rid of the um the, the ghost rider. He was no longer ghost rider mm. and it was kind of like he was driven mad by not having he was became he went down a very de- depressing spiral uh, as an addict because he'd had access to incredible power and then lost incredible power yeah. and so he'd lost that high he used to have and he became a um an alcoholic and he would get into lots of fights and stuff. But he's also been kind of slowly driven mad by the losing it. He began, he was approached and manipulated and began working for an angel called Zadkiel. Um, and Zadkiel kind of revealed to him that humans cannot be bonded to a spirit of vengeance for very long. Um, using the powers, burns up the human host's soul and uh, drives them, damns their soul and drives them to kind of like madness and evil eventually. Um, so Danny's kind of like manipulated and strong-armed into working for Zadkiel and becoming basically one of Zadkiel's knights um, and and travelling the world to defeat the ghost, the many ghost riders that there now are around the world for some reason, uh, <laughs> to defeat them, drain them of their powers, basically kill them, um, drain them of their powers, but by killing them, he does save their souls. Uh-huh. So... There's this spiritual game going on as well as the physical one. And he starts to do this. He starts to go around, kill these ghost riders, drain them of their spirit of vengeance, save their souls, send them to heaven. And Johnny Blaze is on that list as well. He doesn't quite kill Johnny, but he does defeat him and and take the, uh, the, 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 the spirit of vengeance from out of his own brother. However, once Danny returns to um, Zadkiel and with all the powers and all the the ghost rider powers and the spirits of vengeance zadkiel absorbs all this power and he discovers the angel is less than saintly zadkiel uses the gathered spirits of vengeance to storm the gates of heaven and seize the throne to to try and rule all of all of creation that sounds like a dio song who are dio oh uh you know ronnie james dio used to sing for black sabbath and rainbow I, was just, I mean, I guess so, <laughs> but not. I'm not intimately aware of all his other bands and his songs. Well, basically, whenever he joins a band, all the lyrical content is pretty much the same. It's like, really? yeah, I'm gonna storm with vengeance into the sky and become the Lord. And it's like, what? Okay, if that's mental. Uh, that sounds like a Dio song. Three people out there will, will, will appreciate that comment. <laughs> I appreciate it. I like learning that. You that did, was fun. You, you appreciate it on a surface level. It wasn't about automatic rifles and machine guns. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Stop <laughs> guilting me. As Johnny picks himself back up, he is surrounded by robed figures and blackout again starts to use his decaying powers. 
Suddenly the crowd parts as young Danny walks towards Johnny, who pleads with the boy that this isn't who he is. Danny tells Rourke that Can you can we have that line in Nicholas Cage's voice? Which line? This is like that's not who this isn't this this isn't who you are. This isn't who you are, kid. <laughs> you could be good. You can't be I, evil, kid. If I if I'd known you could do it this way, you should have done the whole synopsis as Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so if if we did this in front of an audience, I'd 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 go like, do you want me to do it in in my voice or in the voice of Oscar winning actor Nicolas Cage? <laughs> be, I'd have to commit to it, but. I don't know, I can't ask people that now. It's too late. You're going to have to deal with my whiny Southern England voice. Uh, Where was I? There you go. Danny tells Rourke that because of the ritual, he now has his father's powers. Johnny tells him to do it, and Rourke looks on in dismay as Danny returns the power of the Ghost Rider back to Johnny. Oh, wait. Wait, his father's powers? Sorry, I uh, counted Rourke as his father. Oh, oh! I, I thought, I thought I'd missed the revelation. Do you, do you, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I agree. It would also help if there was a line of dialogue that really hit this home. I'm, I, I was because, uh, because Nadia had ex, that ex, relationship yeah. with Blackout. I had been assuming that Blackout was his unspoken father, but yeah, You're right. I should have, I should have. I don't think it's Rourke, but I might be wrong. Okay. I, I thought it was. Anyway, it, that's how he returns the power of the Ghost Rider back to Johnny, who immediately starts to transform into the demon. The hooded figure closes in on him, but the rider disintegrates them all with his chain. The sun comes up, and it is now clear that Danny has made Ghost Rider so powerful that he can stay in his form in broad daylight. Has this ever happened, though? Like, Ghost Rider having his weakness to daylight obliterated in the original stories does he have a weakness of daylight in the, in the original stories yeah yeah, yeah. in the yeah back in the original he's very much in the kind of the vein of a werewolf yeah yeah um well he wakes up naked and confused <laughs> they 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 just kind of around this time they'd done werewolf by night uh what's the real name of the werewolf by night in marvel go i will i can't remember <laughs> Jack Russell. Jack Love that Russell. Fact. It's your favourite. I remember this now. <laughs> Jack Russell. Jeez. And and around that around this time as well in in, in the seventies they 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 created Morbius as well the mm. the living vampire. Um, so they're pushing that kind of classic feel. And yeah, to begin with, Ghost Rider only came out. So there were there were, there were a couple of conditions. It only came out at night in the presence of evil. Um, or if the devil commanded it, um, but that didn't last too long. Especially when uh, he moved to Los Angeles and joined a superhero team and started fighting supervillains in the middle of the street in broad daylight. Yeah, um, it's a bit similar to like because the, when the Hulk started, he became the Hulk only at night. Mm. And that seemed like a good idea at the time, but then they felt it was a bit too constricting although during al ewan's immense immortal hulk run recently it has flipped back to hulk comes out at night time being angry does nothing now bruce banner can be murdered shot and killed dismembered and it doesn't matter because once the sun goes down the immortal hulk is back that's crazy 
It's a really, really good series. <laughs> um, it does an awful lot of having a new dimension to the Hulk and introducing this kind of element of there's a little bit of mysticism that you guys have not counted on before. Mm. I don't know why I'm talking about the Hulk again. We did so much Hulk last last time, and we're in the middle of a Hulk fest at the moment with World War Hulk. Just got a lot of Hulk on the brain. You got a hulky brain. Hulky brain, yeah. Hulky brain. That's a condition. You should see a doctor. Uh, Rook drives away with an unconscious Danny and the remainder of his men. Not far behind, Ghost Rider speeds down the highway after them. The soldiers' attempts to blast him off the road are useless and the rider commandeers a truck and turns it into a fiery juggernaut. Not far behind, Naja closes in, driving a jeep, but Blackout jumps onto her windscreen and starts to decay it. Seeing her in trouble, Ghost Rider grabs Blackout with his chain and the two start fighting in the back of the flaming truck. As the fight grows more fierce, they land on Nadia's jeep and continue grappling, with Nadia continuing to chase after Rook and her son. Blackout says he was never afraid of Ghost Rider, but this turns out to be false as Ghost Rider is then able to suck out his soul before throwing him under the wheels of the car, leaving him to quickly rot in the sun. He when he um throws him off in in the truck, they go, "What is that?" And he goes, "Roadkill." Or he says, "Roadkill." I'm just like, this film is begging for good one-liners, isn't it? Yeah, that felt very much like um, that's not gonna be the line. I know that that line there is crap. Don't worry, guys. That that's like a placeholder line, and and as we get going, we'll come up with a much better like one-liner for that it's, bit. Oh. So I know, I understand, guys. That's a crap line. Don't worry, Nicholas. You're not gonna have to say that really bad one-liner. We've got guys working on it. It's just that's what it's gonna be for the moment. And then when we get up and running, we'll have a much better thing for you to say there. It's, it's, and then no one filled that in. Yeah, it reminds. Do you remember the first Kingsman movie where there was that crash joke? at the end and it was like that felt like something they I, I can't really repeat it not terribly I don't remember that film terribly it's not a very memorable film so oh I didn't really? really you didn't I, like it that much not really oh no. I, I, I loved it but this one bit towards the end you're just like yeah that felt like they forgot to rewrite that joke and it was just like Ugh. technically that's a movie we can cover is that Marvel yeah sort of yeah because so, I have read the original comic <clears throat> of that Secret Service. Secret Service, and part of it does take place. Absolutely sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> I. It's Mark Miller at his most. You know, it's it, it's, it's. I did this instead of writing a, a treatment for a, uh, for, a for a production for, company. Yeah, I I, I liked some. Of, the only bit I, that really I got excited about was one part of that comic takes place right next to my mum's house. Because it's gospel. Yeah, so it's, the, so it's not, not a good comic. Then. Yeah, yeah it, part of it takes place in <laughs> yeah. gospel. I like it. I I read it after seeing uh, Kingsman. I was like, nah, I prefer Kingsman. But it was interest. I I was interested to see what he was trying to do originally. And there's loads of geek references, but it's just not. You could tell so much of it had to change to make a film. Again, Mark Miller has these things where he goes, "What if a chav was a James Bond?" And that's all the. Uh, that's the entirety of the thought in his head. And then he did that comic. And he put some of his hilarious jokes in it. And I'm not entirely sure if there was a rape reference or a rape scene, but there probably was because he loves that. Yeah. And there you go. Then it became a movie and he got lots of money for it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, what can you tell us about Blackout? I think this is the right time to talk about him because he's interesting. He's incredibly interesting. Is he a major Ghost Rider villain? 
Why, why do you feel he's incredibly interesting? Oh, what the other power, what so. other character can rot things in his hands just by touching mm. him? And and it also when he arrives um, on the scene, everything goes black. And I always thought oh, that was quite. What is the name of the other Marvel character that does that? Oh, he's got such a weird name. Is it? To, to he's do... a mate. Oh, I'll, I'll come back to that. That's going to bug me. He's very obscure. He fought the Thing and Captain America in a swamp. And in a very odd issue of Marvel two two in one, and then years later he became a part of uh, this. This is just for me. Blackout uh, was not a demon okay. to begin with. Not a demon, really. He was just he was he was a superhuman. He worked for the, one of these super powered gangs that um, Danny Ketch and Barbara Ketch stumbled across in, uh, in their very in the very first issue of the new Ghost Rider. He's a superpowered criminal who can uh, create darkness. Ooh, um, there we go. And he's a you know professional like mercenary. Well, not he's a he's a professional criminal who works for a for a gang. He can generate a light dampening field, which negates all visible light. He he's also an albino in the comics as well. Well, he kind of is albino in this, uh, even though... Yeah, I suppose, kind of, yeah. But he does that... Li- the thing is, the light dampening field isn't really explained. It just sort of happens, and you assume they're just doing really weird stylistic effects. Yeah. He yeah. can't decay people in the comics. Um, He doesn't have that power. He has an extreme sensitivity to sunlight, um, and... He the fact that he looks a bit like a vampire and doesn't like the sunlight led him to go, I'm gonna become a cool like he had his teeth and fingernails replaced Ooh. by like in like almost not quite cybernetic but mechanically kind of like an enhanced teeth um, for biting and enhanced fingernails for slashing and tearing and stuff, but they—they're not. He's not a vampire, but he's—he's he's very nearly a vampire. I don't know why they didn't want to do a vampire, but they didn't. Um, so he's an enforcer and an assassin for um, one of the the crime lords of that of that thing that all went wrong in the first issue of Ghost Rider. This guy's called Death Watch, which I thought was a cool name. Um, he. We first, I mean, we first kind of see him. He's murdering a cop and murdering a cop's family. He's quite a bloody, you know, brutal character. Quite a full-on murderous character. Um, we also see him like attack a, a police precinct and Ooh. murder a bunch of cops as he steals something from the evidence locker. Um, he gets into a fight, his first fight with Ghost Rider, and he tries to bite Ghost Rider's neck to kill him because that's one of his big things for killing. He loves to use his, his like metal jaws teeth to kill somebody. However, he cannot bite through Ghost Rider's jacket. And in fact, the jacket, um, which is com- not comprised of Hellfire, but covered in Hellfire, burns and disfigures his face. Um, and from that point on... It becomes like a personal thing to him. He blames Ghost Rider for disfiguring him and burning him, and so he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy you." Um, and what's quite cool about Ghost Rider Danny Ketch having a, a secret identity is that that's a thing right from the start. The the criminal gangs and Blackout are trying to learn Ghost who Ghost Rider really is to strike at him and to take him out of the game. Um, Blackout learns who Ghost Rider secretly is 
and finds Barbara Ketch in a coma from that gunshot thing and and murders her while she's Ooh. in a coma. Um, he then goes after anyone else in, in, in Danny's life um, to, and, and kills two of his friends as well. Um, he abducts... He also um, kills Danny. When Danny isn't Ghost Rider, when he's just Danny, um, Blackout uh, tears his throat out um, and that causes huge problems. Doctor Strange has to step in and he rips he rips his throat out and human form and as kind of a self-protective measure, Danny becomes Ghost Rider because innocent blood has been spilled, his own. Mm. And he becomes Ghost Rider. However, Ghost Rider knows if he turns back into Danny, he will die because oh. Danny's throat has been ripped out. Oh, God. So he has to be Ghost Rider 24-7 and Danny kind of is in this almost like void state where ghost where the ghost rider spirit normally resides and they can kind of communicate a little bit um but he can't ever turn back into danny and then the doctor strange has to kind of do some some stuff to help out with that yes he has um, to do yeah, some, some 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 jiggery pokery jiggery pokery of the mystical nature yeah he has to do some plot as i like to say <laughs> why because of some plot dr strange is here um <laughs> uh and then during uh, rise of the midnight stuns a story which introduces us to kind of like all the all the super mystic guys that that have uh, been cropping up since danny kind of became ghost rider for the first time blackout starts experiencing visions of this horrible creature called lilith the the demon goddess who claims to be the mother of all demons and can control all demons and demons spawn on earth. And he obeys her commands and flocks to her and starts doing her bidding. And through this, Blackout learns that um, he has in him some demon blood. He is a demon spore in, in some way. I can't remember 100% like if it's even a, a thing of how or why, but it's just he is he one of his parents or grandparents or somebody was a demon so he, that's how his powers came about and because of that he is uh he has no choice but to be loyal to Lilith the kind of the the mother of all demons and takes part in this big rise of the midnight suns event where they're trying to uh, destroy everyone and uh, yeah, that's 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 blackout. Starts off as like no guys, yeah. he's um he's a regular super powered person, and all his super powered stuff are like he's a demon, but he's not. He's a he's a he's a he's a person with superpowers like in any other Marvel comic. Blackout. And then within a couple of years, they went and he's also a demon. Hey, wait, but he's, he might be a demon. He is a demon. Definitely not a vampire though. He's not a vampire. <laughs> Definitely not a vampire. Definitely not a vampire. <laughs> Jumping back onto his bike, Ghost Rider speeds after Rourke and uses his chain to take him off the road in a violent crash. As Rourke crawls from the wreckage, Ghost Rider drags him up and banishes him back into the fires of hell. However, Danny, who died in the crash, is returned to his mother, who weeps over the dead body of her child. With Rourke defeated, Zarathos regains his sanity and is restored to his previous incarnation as the Spirit of Justice. Channeling the blue flame, Zarathos, sorry, the blue flame of Zarathos, Johnny revives Danny and assures him he is safe. Later that night, Johnny is seen riding down the road in rider form, but the flames on his bike and body are now blue. 
So, how did you? How did you like? What did you think of Blue Ghost Rider? This is the same uh, as a, as most other super characters. Oh, he's the special one now. He's he's glowing a different color. <laughs> It's like, is that it's like what it felt like it's like Super Saiyan or whatever they do in Dragon Ball. Yeah, that, that, that's that's. I think that's a lot more of a, of a manga, anime, or video game trope than it is particularly a, a comic book one. But is um, that what they do in the comics? Though they do that same kind of trope in the comics. Not necessarily as a trope, but that does that blue flame does happen. Yeah, but mm. not for Johnny Blaze. So when Danny Ketch is is um, forced or manipulated into working for the Angel Zadkiel. He essentially becomes no longer a ghost rider, but an angel rider, mm-hmm. empowered by heaven instead of hell or vengeance. And he, when he becomes one of Zadkiel's knights, he's still the skeleton with the leather and the bike, but his flames are burn blue um, instead of like orange or red because it's not hellfire; it's it's heaven fire. So it, it, um, it's fire from the hob. <laughs> yeah, it's that really good gas fire Danny Ketch. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, allowing us to take a look into Danny Ketch, Blackout, into uh, the different ways of the Ghost Riders raising and fall, the history of the Ghost Rider over the years. Will I be interested in your final thoughts on this movie as a movie? As a movie? Okay. I, I don't want to hammer home the points I've, I've made, but I'll need to go over them. Basically, this does feel like a straight-to-DVD film that would have worked better as a TV show in terms of presentation, in terms of dialogue. I mean, they did get some big names in like Idris Elba and whatnot, but still, yeah, it, 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 I, I just think it would have worked better like that. Also, the CGI, very ropey, very ropey, but also very fun. It's like th- there are points with the CGI where you thought, Ah, they obviously didn't have a big budget, but they did want to have some fun. And I kind of respect that. Uh, The script, incredibly flimsy. It was like the last thing they thought about when making this film was, oh, we should probably do a script because (laughs) we've written all the set pieces and ideas on napkins. We should really make a script because the dialogue was awful. Um the cutaways to round and graphics, bit over the top, but, you know, it was interesting to see. You don't see that in many films. It wasn't exactly a trope. It just felt a bit odd. Uh, Nicolas Cage, God, he is... I, I don't think he will ever not be a joy to watch. I don't care if he is a bit of a git and an idiot and, and whatnot. And, you know, it, it, it's just... that I, I can't think of anyone else like him who carries that same uh, joyous, chaotic swagger. Uh, also, we, we've we've talked about it on a previous on the previous episode, and someone mentioned, "Oh, I I couldn't stand the second movie. It was horrible. It was awful. It was just a mess." And and, and a few people have commented, and I don't understand how it's hated that much. It's got a twenty nine percent score on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't understand it. It's not repulsively awful. It's just small, cheap, and in places a bit dull. It's it. it it's what my Tinder profile says. <laughs> hey, there's the punchline. But it's, I don't know. I don't think it's awful. I just think it's lacking. It's its not bad. It's just not good. But hey, despite two meh outings, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I really, 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 really want to see Ghost Rider appear in the MCU. I think he could would be brilliant in a team-up movie or a TV show. I can't put my finger on it. He's just so cool. He's just so cool. 
I think you're absolutely right. And as ever, you have hit the nail bang on the head when it comes to a review of this movie as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would your favourite piece of trivia from this episode be to take away with you? I think uh, Mephistopheles, uh, with his hands in all character motivation... All the pies. All the pies, <laughs> all the character motivation of all the villains in Marvel, he's there... Going, you see, you know, you know, you know, when Thanos clicked his fingers, that was me, that was. Oh, we'll get to it because he is there the entire way. There is one guy, there is one guy stood by Thanos' side during the Infinity Gauntlet, and it's your red boy Mephisto. Um, he's everywhere and in everything um, reading list for this episode um, there are some really cool um, Danny Ketch classic collections out there Ghost Rider Danny Ketch classic volume 1 that will feature the, the, the origin the beginning of, of, of Danny Ketch and, and Blackout um, that you've heard about here if you want to hear about the return of Johnny Blaze coming into things which is one of my when, to me, for me Ghost Rider gets really super cool um and the art's just awesome. Uh, check out, uh, if you can find it, Ghost Rider Danny Ketch Classic Volume 2. I also highly recommend Spirits of Vengeance Rise of the Midnight Suns. It's an awesome storyline that brings together this kind of like team that don't want to be a team, team of loners, <laughs> which is Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, Morbius the Living Vampire, um, Blade, uh, Doctor Strange, and some others as well. The Night Stalkers, who are classic Marvel horror characters. That's really cool. As ever, please, 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 please do not use Amazon. Um, you can always, uh, f- you can find, you know, can't always, you can sometimes find these comics online with like eBay. You can find a, um, an online comic book store um, if your bricks and mortar one isn't very close by. Or an alternative and, and, and kind of like a really good cheap version, um, an option is to use Marvel Unlimited, which has digital copies that you can read on your phone, your tablet. I don't think the browser's very good. I don't think they have a browser version of it. I'm not sure. But that's a way where you can play a subscription price like Spotify or Netflix, and you don't get to own the comics, but you do get to read them. Um, and uh, it's, a, like I said, it's a cheap uh, way of doing that. Um, right before we get going and tell you about our next episode, uh, I promised us to start the show. We have an opportunity for us to do some merch, some t-shirts. It's a small window which we might be able to do this. Um, so we really want to know what t-shirt you design you would like to see. Good boy. Like we've talked. Shut up. We've talked about maybe something like Powered by Ignorance, which is kind of the one thing that crops up an awful lot. We think, I think that would look pretty cool in a t shirt. Um, Someone mentioned maybe Do the Right Thing. So let us know. Get in touch, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. Drop us a line on at Marvel versus and let us know what kind of catchphrase or slogan or words or or phrases would you like to see from the show on a t-shirt what do you think would look cool and we can maybe make that happen next episode we will be heading back to uh, a a universe we haven't played in for a little while now especially live action x-men first class is the next on the watch list Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, give us five stars, subscribe, leave a review, or hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel? Find us on patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel. 
and join us next time for X-Men First Class. Yeah.